This episode of New Old Friends is brought to you by Mission Bar. Mission Bar, the official sponsor of New Old Friends podcast, located at 302 North Main Street in beautiful Santa Ana, California. Mission, Mission Bar. Bar. Also, be, be sure to check out our other sponsor, Tacos El Gringo, for a bomb-ass authentic Mexican taco. Check them out. They have the best al pastor, asada, chicken, queso taco, uh, mulita, quesadillas, chancleta, chuleta, cortina. And culo. See. Yep. So check them out on Instagram for all their daily specials and locations at tacos underscore EL underscore gringo. dude welcome back everybody my name is joseph hope you liked the last episode it was about me and if you didn't uh, i'm sorry my life sucks <laughs> i enjoyed that episode this is mikey uh in the studio back again we're back, back at again. it again we're back baby. baby we're back baby uh yeah dude feels good to be back in the studio man it feels good to be in the studio with you joe honestly yeah. it's been it's been yeah. so long i yeah. know yeah thank you Thank you for uh, opening up on your episode. I feel like I did learn a lot. And some of the questions that I had were, they were genuine. They were real freaky naughty. Real freaky naughty questions. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was cool. I, you know, we, we got a lot of good feedback from your episode and my episode, you know, from um, family members, friends, and, you know, people replying to the stories and stuff that they enjoyed our episode. So. Stalkers. Yeah. Bunch of stackers full. <laughs> but also, um, I did enjoy this episode with Alex. It was my first time meeting him. Yeah, dude. Yeah, Alex, uh, yeah, he's a good guy. And, like, it's crazy how we ended up, like, becoming friends, I would say. You know, it's like, you know, I got hit up by somebody I went to school with to shoot a film. And then I ended up going to his house and shooting the film. And then we're there for two days shooting in the middle of the night. And yeah. it's just, like, because we're shooting f- – all night from 11 p.m. till, oh man, I don't know, it was like four or five in the morning. Yeah. It was just like we all just got to know each other from like <laughs> like sleep deprivation and like yeah. hunger. And like we all just like opened up and had a good time shooting this film, you know. And yeah, it was a good time, dude. And like it was well received. It got into a bunch of film festivals. It got into like the San Francisco Film Festival. It got into um, the Madrid International Film Festival. Yeah. And it like was nominated for awards, so it was like it's it's insane. Like if you would have been on set, it would have been like, man, these are just people having fun, like no budget, like super low key. And then it yeah. got into these like pr- really good film festivals. It's just like holy shit, like what the fuck? Like we did that for fun. Imagine if like we're getting like, you know, we had a huge budget, what we could do, you know? Yeah. So you know, he talks about that in this episode, like his next projects and what he really wants to do and. You know, he really wants to represent his culture and his um, his heritage in, like, the right way and not have it watered down and all that kind of stuff, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah. Yeah, it was cool catching up with him again. Yeah, it was cool to get to know him and, and, and you know, to uh, soak up some of the knowledge that, uh, you know, I didn't know. But, um, yeah, I hope you guys uh, sit down, strap on, mm-hmm. and... Uh, <laughs> and uh, grab a cup. 
of yeah of ice cream coffee or popcorn or you know glass of wine <laughs> hope you enjoy the episode peace This is all like uh, Mikey stuff for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's all like custom car culture uh, artwork from like local artists. Um, nice. We go to a lot. Of, we go to a lot of car shows, and uh, it, it became like, oh, well, let's support the vendors on a slow day. And then it became like, whoa, this artwork's pretty sick. To like, mm-hmm. cool, let's just start buying this artwork. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. that's awesome. Yeah, it was definitely like rough because like when we first came in here into the studio, like it was just plain white walls so it was like super boring and then mike's like hey man well i have a bunch of like artwork that i've wanted to frame and put up somewhere yeah so i was like yeah dude right. bring it into the studio fuck it fill up the walls you know <laughs> yeah one it keeps the artwork safe and then yeah. two like when you frame stuff it takes up a lot of space you know and then you don't want things to get scratched so i figured hey, this, is right. a per- this is a perfect spot to just hang it you know mm-hmm. yeah yeah i'm a big proponent of framing i like i don't have a pretty much amount of wall space at this point (laughs) (laughs) yeah dude i like things so much i like your style man a lot of people don't you know you go to people's houses and it's plain i'm like oh man if i lived here like yeah i would deck it out super cool so like your spot i saw the frames i was like oh hell yeah like that's cool you know (laughs) like respect (laughs) for sure yeah it's uh definitely a pack rat too you know it's uh but i've turned it into a positive like i collect uh cool stuff like film related stuff Mm. that's kind of uh something i've been doing during like the pandemic to uh in my free time sort of uh yeah kill the time i guess so to speak um my latest hobby is like bidding on um film props and that that's dangerous (laughs) because like i I can't I can't like afford any of these, but I'm hoping like someone won't bid on like it and I'll just like, you know, they'll accept the lowest bid. Yeah. But then like all of a sudden, you know, at the last minute, like these, I don't know, they must be just big shots. So just throw thousands like in these um, virtual auctions. Jeez, it's man. crazy. But like this last one, I had to get a first draft of an Edward Scissorhands script um, written by Caroline Thompson and Tim Burton from 87. Nice. And, you know, Scissorhands didn't come out until 90. So, yeah, I got that. That's uh, probably the last thing I'm going to 
by for a while. <laughs> for like for 15 years. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's probably it for me. <laughs> yeah, but that's pretty awesome. Like yeah. no one I know could say that, you know, but you can. Yeah. That's pretty badass, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just, uh, it's, um, cool. And the other things like I collect are like, um, been doing, uh, pint glasses, mm. like promotional movie pint glasses. They were more like back in the eighties when, um, a movie would come out more like, a, um, especially Spielberg and George Lucas franchises, like the nostalgic stuff. Um, Star Wars, Indiana Jones, E.T. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they would, uh, the Goonies. So they would come out with like these promotional pint glasses at like McDonald's or Taco Bell or Burger yep. King. Yep. or um, And it was uh, just like this kind of passing fad. I don't like, like there was a few rounds in the nineties, but mm-hmm. the, they changed it to like different types of merchandise. Um, but I'm sort of collecting old promotional glasses from those franchises. Mm-hmm. No, those things are sick. I mean, yeah, I remember like, like in the nineties. Yeah. You would like go to like McDonald's and they have like specialty items just for the movie and shit. And like you would buy a, like a happy meal or you buy some, a couple meals or something and you would get like a, and like a little like souvenir from the movie is pretty cool. Like I remember me and my brothers doing the fucking uh, Power Rangers movie came out. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. They had like a yes. bunch of shit. Like you'd buy like a, I think it was a kid's meal and you, I can't remember what you would get. If it was like cards or, Maybe it was like I don't I can't remember what it was, but I remember me and my brothers would go crazy over it, dude. And it's was, it's was cool, man. It's like a cool like like keepsake. I wish we still had it. I don't know what happened to them, <laughs> but it might have been. It might be <laughs> yeah. worth some money now if you have them, you know. Yeah, man. I uh, most of the, like that that kind of stuff um, got thrown away, like you know, during my childhood moves, but. Tried to keep some of it, you yeah. know, because like I always in the back of my mind, and as a kid, I would be like, "Oh, it's probably gonna be worth something someday." Mm-hmm. I'd always be like, "Yep, ah, this will get me rich. <laughs> 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 this will be the reason why I don't have to work." Yeah, for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then you just end up being like a like a hoarder at that point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> twenty exactly. years later, like, oh fuck. <laughs> Yeah, whenever you know MTV reboots Hoarders, I'm like the first person. <laughs> yeah, that they do. <laughs> yeah, I think my mom's responsible for the loss of all my childhood toys because she was infamous for having uh, garage sales, oh. and she would just sell all my shit, dude. And you know, when I played with my when I played with my with my toys, I I took care of my stuff. You know, yeah. mother cousins would yeah. just bang them up or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> I'm not rich because of my mom. <laughs> Dude, yeah, that's so relatable. Same here. It was like, you know, whatever, like, oh, you don't need this? Okay, I'm throwing it away. Mm-hmm. It was like, duh. And then sometimes she wouldn't even ask and it would be like, duh, I wanted that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you ever look at pictures of yourself when you were a little kid? And you're like, Dude, what happened to those shoes? Or what happened yeah. to that jacket? You know? know, dude. Yeah, like super like cool, like. You know, what What would be vintage shirts now and apparel, you know? It's like, yeah. man, I wish I had that, you know? Like, a, <laughs> I remember it was a picture. It was either me and my brother in, like, a Space Jam, like, like oh. jumper. 
You know, I was just like, yeah. dude, that would be worth so much money right now. You know, it just looks so cool. Oh, yeah. But it's like, I know oh, for yeah. sure that went to like the Goodwill or something, you know? <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially with the, the reboot coming out. Oh, that's right. Who's, who's, yeah. is it LeBron James or who's going to be? Yeah, I think it's, it's LeBron. Yeah. Um, he's producing. I think he's also, is he starring too? I'm not too sure. I just know that he was attached to it somehow. I mean, I'm open to it, you know, I guess. Uh, should be cool. Yeah. I kind of wanted to, like, see a sequel with Michael Jordan, obviously. But mm-hmm. I guess the next best thing is uh, LeBron James. <laughs> yeah. LeBron James. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be okay. <laughs> I'm sure Michael Jordan's going to do a little, a little quick cameo, you know. A little cameo. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like golfing or something. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That'd be hilarious. So, um, yeah, so for people who are listening, uh, go ahead and uh, introduce introduce yourself, man. So, my name is Alex. I'm, uh, <laughs> Drum roll. I know. And I'm a, <laughs> and I'm a hoarder. <laughs> yeah. Hi, Alex. Yeah. That was, that was very difficult to admit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, I'm, uh, so I'm, I'm Alex, uh, primarily a journalist. Um also part-time you know business analysts for uh, a family um investment uh, company venture capital company uh very boutique um sort of seed fund but um my passion and primary focus is uh, entertainment journalism uh i guess you could say i'm a screenwriter i don't really know at what stage you can say that, but like I've completed um, two or three or four screenplays. So I guess that qualifies as being a screen uh, writer. So, um, you know, eventually my goal is to uh, get into the film industry in that capacity as a writer or um, some sort of creative voice. Um, Definitely behind the scenes. I don't want to be in front of the camera. <laughs> uh, would never want to do that. Um, yeah, I'm primarily a storyteller. Even with my, um, in a journalistic capacity, I always try to find um, a really heartfelt, relatable story um, with the subject um, whom I'm interviewing. Uh, whether it's a YPJ fighter in Syria fighting on the front lines against ISIS or an Oscar-winning director like Martin Scorsese. Uh, You know, try to bring the same level of tact to to all my interviews. And um, yeah, I I love it. Um, So uh, my eventual goal in terms of uh, journalism, got several things. I want to start a publication um, that's peer review, which um, essentially would train the writers to become editors. um, So everyone would edit each other's work. Mm. Um, And it would eliminate um, this hierarchical um, uh, corporate culture. that exists in the digital workplace that sort of um, can allow for 
a lot of toxicity. Um, also, um, especially with freelancers, um, my Netflix is on right now. I'm like, you know, when it goes to the, uh, it's like switching, um, movies to show. Yeah. Like the preview. Like, yeah. Holly <laughs> Shore just popped up <laughs> her guest for guest house. I'm definitely watching that after this. How about in, <laughs> how about in the army now? <laughs> in the army now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Biodome. Biodome, dude. Uh, um, but anyways, I think like peer review would, you know, as a freelancer, I think sometimes it's like an unspoken rule where like, you gotta take some shit and um, kind of like uh, you, you don't really have any protection because you're not an employee and, and you, you gotta sort of uh, in some cases almost be dehumanized to earn your stripes out of publication. Um, it doesn't matter if you have talent. Um, so I think this publication aims to eliminate um, ego, a sense of hierarchy that can create this um, narcissism in the industry. Um, and I think that that sort of um, more engaging digital corporate culture with the publication uh, can allow for um, a lot more thorough and thought-provoking pieces, especially with my mission statement to incorporate um, critical um, theory into all of this uh, entertainment writing, which is something that so many sites don't do. Um, everything's clickbait nowadays. Mm -hmm. There's this um, false notion that any article past five minutes is going to deter viewers, which is wrong because, you know, um, stats often don't tell the truth. And like, a, let's say a WordPress site, like, mm -hmm. because I often will go to an article if it's like super long, I'll, um, and this is like embarrassing, um, a testament to my attention span, <laughs> uh, span, and I guess uh, you know my generation's attention span. Mm -hmm. But like, I'll read you know uh, like a couple minutes of it, and then uh, I'll go back to it mm. throughout the day or throughout the week. And uh, mm. so, um, long articles don't um, deter me, at least. Uh, in fact, I love reading. Um, longer form think pieces and essays. And I think, um, there's a demand for that yeah. as well. Yeah. I think um, like for sure, like our attention span is really low, but what people yes. don't, what most companies don't realize is that if the person really wants to read it, they'll read it. Like, like my biggest thing, like when I was working, uh, uh, the previous company was that like, Oh, like you don't make, don't make a tutorial too long. I was like, dude, I, I've sat there and watched a 45-minute tutorial before because I wanted to watch it. If the people right. want to watch it, they're going to watch it, regardless of how long or short it is, you know? Um, exactly. So I think it's like you just have to you have to trust the audience, you know? Yeah. I mean, look at, like, the essays that are, are submitted, uh, published along with, like, um, a Criterion release with a movie. Mm -hmm. Like, those are so, like... Uh, 
long and thoughtful. Um, I love reading those and like, I would just love a site with like all those, like that type of content. Yeah. How, so how did you get into like, like going back, like how did you get into this whole like journalism and like, uh, did you like study that in school or? No, I was a uh, business major, uh, with an emphasis in, uh, human resource management, um, and an Italian minor. Uh, so, but I always wanted to do something in film. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I knew I was a good writer and I, um, put two and two together. I had like an, I like, a photographic, I, I don't even know how to pronounce the word, but didactic memory um, of film specifically, nothing else. <laughs> I was like a, I am a, like a human IMDB. Um, so I put that together with my, you know, love for writing and passion. Um, and I guess um, started writing reviews and then journalism came out of that. Like, mm. I don't, I don't even do reviews often anymore, mostly interviewing mm-hmm. or write, writing think pieces. So were you like, yeah. did you like write like reviews and like think pieces and submit them to companies to like try to get employment yeah. or? Yeah. I started with just my blog and then mm. I started like, I started thinking, uh, you know, it's getting positive feedback. And then I started thinking, well, I should submit some, pieces to other publications yeah they think i'm 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 good Mm. and then it just was a lot of submitting at first because you've got no experience you've got no uh education in journalism so you've got to really show that that you can uh you know, do it. And I had to essentially, uh, some of it was faking it till I, I, I made it, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I remember interviewing like Paul Haggis in like the, my first year of, of journalism, like the first publication I ever worked for. Um, the, I'm still freelancing for them. They're great. But like, that was like one of my first interviews and, you know, he's like a two-time Oscar winner. Mm. Um, How was that? Like, one like thing, when, you, when, you, was, when you did that, where you're like, holy shit, I'm actually interviewing him? Like, Yeah, there was like, that was one of the few times I had like the feeling in the middle of the interview where like, wow, I'm actually interviewing, <laughs> you know, Paul Agus. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even think I had that when I was interviewing Martin Scorsese. Um trying to think maybe willem defoe Mm. at some point because we were doing a career retrospective Mm -hmm. and he was just so open about talking about all his roles and i was just like when i said klaus was my favorite character in uh, life aquatic of like all of his roles. And then he said, that's also his favorite character oh, he's sure, ever done. Really? I was wow. like, Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. It's uh, sometimes you get that. Um, and then you just like, it's like feeling out, uh, 
you know, what the, how the, the person reacts or how they, they, their tone of voice, what kind of questions you can ask and, um, how engaging they're being. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember talking with the YPJ fighter about like killing people and that was intense. Uh, so yeah. Um, but I, I, the beginning of that interview didn't intend on asking those kind of questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You were just like going with, going with the flow, huh? Seeing where, where it went. Yeah. But the one thing I regret about not asking Paul Haggis was about his, his history of leaving the church of Scientology. Was I didn't even know he was a former Scientologist when I interviewed him. Not like it's relevant at all to his like, film career. Yeah. <laughs> it's still like a really interesting fact too. Like, it's like what because when you start like reading up on you know Scientology, you're just like what the hell like, and then when you when you know, see like who was dude. part of it, you're like whoa, dude, <laughs> this shit is crazy, bro. Like, yeah, like <laughs> it's pretty nuts. Um, I started watching the Leah, what's her name? Uh, Re- Remini. Re- Remini. Yeah. Remini. Remini. I don't even. Yeah. The series yeah, yeah. where she, you know, it's mm-hmm. called, I think it's called like Leaving Scientology or something. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Paul Haggis, he's on a few hep- episodes of that. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, they they try to like destroy your career if you leave or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you Pretty get like crazy. blacklisted and start like spreading all these like rumors about you and like, yeah, it's it's insane, man. It's pretty um, wild. Yeah, I could. Im- I could imagine, right? Like, yo, dude, like, come over to my house for like some drinks, you know? All your buddies come over, so now we're part of this. Uh, yeah, cult, yeah, you know, ignore that blinking red light yeah, in the corner, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you guys seen uh, the boys on Amazon? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, you know the what is it? The church in that? Oh yeah, where they the like reform them and shit to like. <laughs> yeah, that's totally the, that's totally. <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought the same thing. They're like, oh no, we're gonna choose your wife for you. You know. <laughs> yeah, 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 and it's always have a fresca like mm-hmm. at the meeting. It's like that's the first. That's the first step. It's the initiation. Yeah. Once you drink the fresca, yeah. you're, you're toast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> done deal. Yeah, done deal. The fresca, dude. <laughs> the CEO of fresca is yeah. like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it when when he tries to to get the CEO to drink the fresca, yeah. and he's like, uh, fresca is disgusting. Yeah. I don't drink that stuff. <laughs> 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 John Carlo Esposito, man, he plays the great villain. Oh man! Um, and then the uh, Mandalorian uh, too, Breaking Bad, and oh. and and yeah, Mandalorian. God, it's so mm-hmm. good, dude. Every time he comes out, I'm just like, ooh, los pollos hermanos, you know? Yeah, los pollos hermanos, legendary, legendary, dude. Like, that role, Jesus. I, I wish that chicken joint existed. I know. know. It's a lot of uh, fun, but I think like eventually, you know, I'd like to, like I was saying, become my own boss, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think everyone wants to do. Yeah. (laughs) But it just, you know, it takes, takes time. Mm Mm-hmm. 
um, right now, you know, work or not working on, but I've finished, I guess it's always going to be a work in progress, but finished a script about the Armenian uh, diaspora and um, genocide. It's kind of about a family in the present day who kind of reconciles with their ancestral trauma and ancestral pain. Mm -hmm. It's called Soul to Squeeze. And, uh, and I'm peddling it kind of as hard as I can, like on my free time, just, uh, sending it to actors that I think would be good in the lead role. Yeah. But it's tough. Uh, I'm learning that any film that's tried to, to be made about the Armenian genocide has, has been, um, uh, shut down by by production companies because there's a lot of Turkish nationalists behind studios. Mm. Uh, this is coming from Oliver Stone. I was trying to see the quote. Um, and it's like, uh, it's crazy. It was actually Manx's, you know, the, the movie Mank that just came out, the guy who wrote uh, uh, Citizen Kane, Fincher's new movie on Netflix. Mankiewicz. Um, I haven't seen that one yet. Frank Mankiewicz. He was the son of the guy who wrote Miss Citizen Kane. Mm. And um, after Midnight Express came out, um, there was this huge pushback from Turkey about like the you know the betrayal of Turks, and it it, it was accurate in their barbaric treatment of their their people and and other people. And so this quote from Oliver Stone, he says, I was approached by several Armenian groups to write a movie about the Armenian genocide in Turkey. This is after it came out. He won an Oscar for this screenplay. But he, he said there was a lot of money behind it. Um, but, you know, Frank Mankiewicz was hired by the Turkish government. And Frank was an advisor on his film for Midnight Express. He was hired by the Turkish government to repair the Turkish image after that film. And he goes on to say, he told me some funny stories about that, but essentially that's what happens when a film like that tries to get made because this genocide isn't recognized mm -hmm. like, um, by the, both the U.S. and Turkey. So um, that's why you don't see films about it. The only reason the promise got made is because it was privately funded mm. um, and they found a distribution company that was, uh, um, I guess, willing to do it. But that film, I hate to say it, it doesn't accurately portray the mm. genocide and it's not about the genocide. Um, it uses a love story mm -hmm. and it uses the genocide as a, back yeah, as a backdrop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it kind of uses, uh, you know, the Armenian uh, characters as um, plot tools and plot points, mm. which is not cool. Mm -hmm. um, and Ararat was a, a film about a guy trying to get a film made about the Armenian mm. genocide. So there's nothing been that's been made. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm my goal, my life goal is to change that and that with this script. And my brother and I are also writing a script about Monty Milconian, who was a revolutionary um, leader in the um, 
Artsakh conflict um, in the early 90s. Um, he died at the hands of uh, Azeris, but um, he's super well known um, in the Armenian community mm-hmm. um, and the leftist community in general. Uh, but yeah, we're writing a script about him. He's a lot like kind of like Che Guevara and his story. Oh, okay. So you, you're saying that you're finding it hard to uh, like get actors because of. No, I think um, there's been interest, but um, they only would sign on if it's produced. Like that's just how it is. Yeah, like yeah. some sometimes people are willing to attach without money, but that's only if like you're an established screenwriter, right? Yeah, yeah. it's so rare. Yeah. Um. And I almost, I, I can't say her name, but there was an Armenian actress who's pretty famous who was about to attach uh, to my script. And I was like, oh, shit, it's happening. But um, she, she had to back out last minute because of scheduling conflict. Mm. Um, but, you know, it just it happens. Um, I sent it to an Armenian actor, pretty famous Armenian actor. Um, and uh, a couple weeks ago, so who knows? Uh, you know, um, I think it's just a matter of finding funding. Um, I'm realizing that probably going to have to do that first before you reach out to the talent. Yeah, yeah, because it's a huge risk for them to like attach to it with, and then especially if they're going to be like the draw to get funding. That's like a huge risk for them too, is, you know. Right, right. That's what I'm. That's what I was trying to do. You know, you get get a big name. That's how. You, that's how I'm going to draw the funding. But it's like a chicken and the egg sort of deal, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. But then they don't want to attach unless there's money involved. Um, yeah, that's like kind of navigating the early stages of the film industry. It's uh, it's been fun. interesting to say the least learning experience huh yeah yeah for sure um but yeah so it's like um i also wrote a pilot um about an armenian dude living in san francisco who has um autism and he lives with an italian roommate Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like this uh he, he it was about him trying to navigate the swipe dating app culture. Yeah. And in San Francisco, it's just crazy. I don't know if you've ever been on a dating app, but like in San Francisco, like you go on a swiping app and it's just like, you see some crazy profiles. So like I wanted to, that was the inspiration for that, that script. And I wanted to, to make a, a quirky character who's very rigid, try to navigate the not so very uh, heteronormative uh, arena of online dating. Yeah. And, you know, this, this day and age, I thought that would be kind of a funny launching point. So what became with that pilot? Are, are you going to, are you going to run uh, it or? I never submitted it to anything. I, it's on Coverfly right now, but that—that's it. Um, 
yeah, I don't really know what to do with it because I'm, I'm focusing mostly on um, Soul to Squeeze, the Armenian um, genocide script. Yeah. And can, then, yeah. Can you give us a little bit of insight on that? Just I, I, I don't have much knowledge on any of the of any of the uh, Armenian genocide at all. So uh, if you could share some knowledge, that would be cool. So maybe the listeners that are just like me could learn, a, you know, learn something. Sure, sure. So um, essentially, um, it started in the 1880s and the 1890s um, with the Hamidian massacres. Um, those were, um, you know, a, a precursor to the genocide 20 years prior, um, much like the Russian Cossacks, um, slaughtered the, the Jews and pogroms in, in the 1910s and 1920s, 20 years prior to the Holocaust is very similar to that. So with the Hamidian massacres, um, they would, um, it was um, the Hamidia soldiers, and there was the young uh, Turks, and there was um, also some, uh, let's see who else was included in there, Mm-mm-mm-mm. the Kurds as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kurds, the Turks, the young Turks, um, the nationalists, and the Hamidias all um, came into our villages took machetes and hacked us to pieces, raped our women and children and uh, burned our villages down. What happened with my great, great uh, grandfather was he was a village Catolico um, who are village uh, religious leaders and in the Armenian communities, um, those are seen as the most respected people in the community Mm-hmm. Um, basically they're like the high priests. Um, and what the Turks were trying to do was, uh, eliminate us from history and eliminate our, our people as well as our religion, um, simply because, um, a little bit because we were Christian, but also because they always thought we were second class citizens. Yeah. Um, they kind of thought we were like, um, savages mm-hmm. um and so uh there was both a religious and anti-religious sentiment and there was also just a a flat-out racist prejudice yeah. against us that um culminated and um so what basically what happened with my great-great-grandfather and, and my great-grandfather witnessed this um but he uh, after they slaughtered most of the village, they waited um, for to do him last because they wanted to see the destruction of his village and his community before they killed him. And then they took a machete and they said, deny God in front of your people. What they were really asking him to do was convert to Islam right now. And he said, no, I'm Christian. Um, and they cut his arm off and they said, deny God in front of your people. He said, no, and they cut another arm off and then they cut a leg off and they cut a leg off and then they cut his head off. But he never, he never denied God. Um, yeah. Even when he was, uh, paraplegic, but, uh, 
yeah, they cut off his head and then my great grandfather witnessed that. Um, but they were able to escape. Um, and then fast forward 20 years, um, there were also several mini massacres, um, between that, the 18th, mid and late 1890s and, um, 1915, which is when the genocide started. And, uh, that was when it was, um, uh, policy implemented to, uh, kill us. And this, yeah, 2.5 million Armenians died. And there's not many of us in the world. That's like half the population of Armenians in, in the world at that point, at that time. Mm. Um, we only represent 0.14% of the world and we only represent 0.14% of America or like lower than minority, lower than low. Um, and we're dying off right now on a second Armenian genocide and the Artsakh conflict. Mm -hmm. So it's happening again with Turkey behind it. Um, they're backing Azerbaijan and um, basically trying to uh, finish the genocide that they started. And like they're using the same rhetoric they did in the 1910s. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, um, the young Turks today, the actual like talk show, they yeah. rebranded that name. And they're actually like, they're very uh, progressive and pro like genocide recognize um yeah trying yeah. to shed light on it instead of trying to hide it genocide. Yeah. exactly yeah. you know like they're like own up to it blah 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 yeah. um yeah it's still denied and that compounds the pain that we all yeah, armenians all go through and i was told these horrible stories when i was like five years old so mm -hmm. i was always like haunted by this these stories of genocide and slaughter and it was always ingrained in my mind of just like what happened um to my people and how we escaped and yeah man. um my grandfather in the genocide my other grandfather um escaped on a boat going to russia it took two years almost to get finally to san francisco um at that point i think one of his parents had, had died and um, the other parent died later on. He was orphaned at the age of 10, um, had to care for his sister and went in and out of orphanages. Uh, That's just part of the diaspora experience. Mm -hmm. what, what, what is, uh, what is your, like your, your, your parents think about all the stuff that's going on now, you know, with like the, you know, the genocide, um, like pretty much like happening again, you know I mean? Like, like, yeah. So like, I mean, my mom's, uh, white, but my dad's full yeah. Armenian, but obviously mm -hmm. my mom's like, you know, like equally as terrified yeah, because for it's sure. just yeah. a human, you know, um, uh, human rights issue. It's, yeah. it's just like a thing, a thing we're kind of, uh, disgruntled about, um, is the fact that like people just don't care right now. Um, it's just not seen as a international issue. Mm -hmm. Everything, so many other things are seen as a international crisis, human rights issue that we're so quick, quick to react. But because this is Armenia, people don't touch it at all. 
people don't go near this issue because of the fact that we still don't have the first genocide recognized. So mm -hmm. how are we going to recognize the second genocide? You know, and so um, uh, I say this because it's true. America has been complicit in the first genocide and in the second genocide. Um, and they're willing to let us go extinct based on an economic relationship with Turkey, which is, you know, which sucks. Yeah. Which is what um, we're, we're trying to spread awareness and just mm. stop Azerbaijan from <laughs> hacking our people to pieces and cutting yeah. their ears off. Yeah. What are, what are some things that us, uh, you know, and the listeners could do to support, support, uh, you know, the, like your guys is like, you know, to bring awareness and, and all that. Just, I feel like, you know, there's so much going on and, and you're right. You know, like I live in a, I live here in Santa Ana and it's all Hispanic. So we don't hear about anything like this, you know? So, um, yeah. How could we raise awareness? So how could we help? Um, where are you, where are you guys located? Well, right now we're in Santa Ana, so it's like so uh, SoCal. Yeah. Orange County. How, is that close to uh, Glendale? Because that's like, that's like the, in SoCal, that's like where all the Armenians are. Oh. Uh, yeah, Glen um, Glendale's yeah, probably Glen like, like an hour drive. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I used uh, to live in like Pasadena, and there's like a lot of Armenians there. Too. Yeah. Pasadena, oh, Burbank, yeah, Pasadena Glendale. Yeah. yeah. Burbank area. Um, yeah. Yeah, my aunt uh, lived, used to live in Pasadena. Um, but so if you go to armeniafund.org, um, that's a great site, mm -hmm. um, that you can, uh, not only be educated, but whoever wants to donate to like, yeah. I'm not like asking anyone, but there's like telethons. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of media, um, you can see who supported it. Um, but I think, you know, uh, obviously it's, it's, uh, we're during the pandemic and not everyone has funds to donate, but yeah. most importantly, educate, I would urge people to just educate themselves on the conflict and what's happening. And that the, the key thing to understand is that this is not a two-sided conflict. This is a one-sided genocidal crusade against Armenians and um, there's so much disinformation going on on like social media and Twitter through Turkish and uh, Azeri bots that are um, have like attacked celebrities who have showed support for Armenia and forced them to like delete their posts like Cardi B and like uh, I don't know, a bunch of other famous people, A-list celebrities, mm -hmm. um, because they're accusing them of supporting terrorists. So like they call us what they are. Yeah. And it's so frustrating. And so, um, and I've pitched like this story trying to spread awareness to, to every publication. And they say it, it, the responses range from, sorry, you know, we don't see an issue over there to, yeah, we're not, we, uh, we're not covering to topics like this right now. Uh, and then, you know, the next day I'll see something like, basically a, a civil war and in, in, in Ethiopia that's being covered internationally. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's great. That's, that's fantastic. But the, the fact that it is covered internationally is because we've already uh, come to terms with our atrocious 
past. I'm talking about America with uh, black people. So um, we, we tend to respond way quicker to issues like in other parts of those those countries and even like the Middle East where we've acknowledged the the, the all the shit that we've done there. Um, yeah. It's sort of like our, I hate like the America's attitude of the white man's burden. Like we're so quick to respond and spread awareness about everything, but not Armenians, mm-hmm. you know, it sucks. It sucks because we're not seen as a minority, which, which is crazy to me. I was running the other day, uh, yesterday and, uh, a white, a young white couple stopped me and they, they were like, we're going to call the cops. And I'm like, what do you, what, why? They said, you don't look like you're from this neighborhood. Like, <laughs> like, oh my God. They were like, they were, the guy the was hell? like saying, get the, guys, get the fuck out of here. The guy was like saying to me, he's like, dude, I can't remember what exactly they said, but they were like, they said, um, like, uh, like you asked, like they were interrogating me first. And then they were like, what do you, like what are you what are you doing right now? Like you don't look like you, like you look like you're you're about to get into trouble. Like and I'm like what? <laughs> like, I was born and raised in this neighborhood. Yeah. Like I just got like Mister and Mrs. Karen. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> fucking it's like, obviously, I'm running, dude. What the hell? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I realized that like you know, I got a beard and and I had my hair and I was like my shirt was muddy like. I looked like a homeless terrorist, but that mm-hmm. doesn't mean you got to treat me like one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bro, I get that shit all the time when I go to South County. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm fucking brown as shit, dude. So I walk and you, you see people's hate. It's like, dude, what the fuck? Like, yeah, dude. I, like, I haven't done shit to you. Like, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to do anything to you. Like, I'm just chilling, you know? Yeah. And, and, right. And, and a lot of people, a lot of my friends are never going to understand that feeling, you know? And it's like, fuck, yeah. shit's real. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's also like this, the past like four years, you know, just cause, you know, who's running the country. Like I've mm-hmm. this within the last four years is probably the first time I've actually experienced racism towards me, you know, wow. cause I've never really felt it before. And yeah. then now it's yeah. like, maybe it was like more subtle. So I didn't really mm-hmm. notice it. But now it's like super obvious when like somebody's being racist towards me. I'm just like, holy shit! Like, you know, people, right. you know, the they definitely have, uh, you know, they've gained some 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 balls, you know, to where <laughs> they're not afraid to do it in public now. You know, like people are just yeah. cool with being racist now. It's it's insane. Like exactly, it's so fucking crazy. Yeah, it's like they, it's like you know, monkey see, monkey do. They see the president do it, so they feel comfortable. Oh, we can do it now. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we can finally be our asshole selves. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We don't we don't have to do it behind closed doors. It's not locker room yeah. talk anymore. You dude, know? Yeah. it's grocery store yeah. talk now. Fucking asshole <laughs> yeah. and bad people suck, dude. Like I fucking hate that shit. Yeah. yeah. That's insane. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, I think For the first sure. time like it's like you're saying like the news and the media and like on social media it's like it's either getting taken down or blocked or uh, talking about the 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 genocide and, like you just don't see it. It's not in the public eye, you know? And when you do mm-hmm. see it, it's like flipped. And um, right. the first time I saw like actual like video, like cell phone footage was um, mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. I think it was uh, our friend Annie. Yeah, that's owns, how I know because uh, yeah. our friend Annie, she's yeah. Armenian too. She's Armenian and she owns a uh, barber right? shop. Yeah, some barber shops and. You know, she was really vocal about on social media. And I was like, what is going on? Like, yeah. I had no idea this was happening. Same. And when I saw some yeah. of the videos, I was like, what the fuck, dude? And, like, I went online, like, I and I couldn't find it anywhere. Like, it was very yeah. little, like, websites that were, like, actually, like, showing content or pictures or talking about it. It was really sad. And I was like, this is why, like, nothing's, nothing's happening because nobody knows about it. Oh, dude, exactly. And, um... Yeah, I've got a friend uh, named Lana uh, Petrosian. Um, she reached out to me, and she is lives in Armenia, and she's like offering, you know, to give me resources, mm-hmm. like ground zero about the conflict. Um, and she gave me a site called uh, globalawareness dot am. Gives you a lot of information about the ta- um, both the what's happening and also confronts all of the fake news mm. about it. Um, so this is, it's good, it's good stuff. Um, uh, so that's another site. It's uh, I've got a press kit that you can download as well. Um, no, yeah, for sure. Like all the links, like we'll put them all in, in the description and shit so people can check it out. Yeah. And um, Eric Israelian, who's the producer of the promise. Mm. Um, check out his Twitter he always posts stuff, um, what he's done with, um, you know, regardless of what I, I think about the film, uh, what he did with the proceeds is nothing short of saint. Like he donated it all to, um, Armenian, the Armenian cause, which is fantastic. And, um, uh, he, his, uh, check out, I encourage people to follow his Twitter account because he's posting really great resources um about uh what's going on mm-hmm. um and 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 accurate information yeah yeah, yeah. I, th- I think like a, a what would be really cool to see on um on the film that you're working on is to just i mean as much as i would want to work on your film i think it'd be really cool <laughs> if it was like cast and crew were all armenians you know what i mean yeah um, you know i yeah exactly. i think that'd be really sick and then because like the key like you're saying the community is so small compared to the rest mm-hmm. of the you know uh united states like i'm sure you'll be able to find funding from armenian owned businesses you know um sure and i think i think that would probably be like one of the best ways to get that film made even if it's a short, yeah. like, you know, like, I mean, you have talked right. about it, like a lot of feature length films were created because they got the funding from a short. Um, exactly. So you yeah. could even do that, like run that way with the, getting the short made. And then once, cause you know, if, um, you know, obviously like, I think you're a good writer. So if it's just shot well, edited well, you know, everything like, and it gets into some festivals gets, and I know it will get a lot of attention behind it then you'll be able to get that major funding and get those big actors behind it. Um, and cause I think, yeah, it's like, you know, music and film, like they're so powerful, you know, it, it's telling of what's going on in the culture culture today and in the, and around the world that it's like, people need to see stuff like this, you know, they need to have their eyes open to stuff. Cause otherwise, like we said, you can't, you're not seeing it on the news. So we have exactly. to we have to see it somewhere, you yeah. know. Yeah, and now more than ever, yeah. it's it's it's, it's kind of easier to kind of 
get get people's eyes on on topics. Yeah, right or, now everybody's or, or videos much at or home story. You know <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and there's there's about you know two or three World War Two films, World War One films, Civil War films that come out you know every year, mm-hmm. which is great. But um, we don't cover other world issues mm-hmm. like in in film. I, I'm not just talking about the Armenian genocide, like like we don't address the destruction as a result of American of America's jingoistic foreign policy, like at all. We essentially created Al Qaeda in the eighties by like funding these extremists and essentially directly funding Osama bin Laden and creating that, Mm -hmm. you know, we don't take credit for any of that. Um, and what we did in 1979 was genocide. We're, we don't ever address what we commit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's part of the reason why we don't recognize the Armenian genocide as well. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Are, are there any um, like documentaries about it that, you, that have been kind of accurate? Or? I, th- I think Joe Berlinger um, put out a documentary. I would, I would uh, recommend black dog of fate which is a book mm. it's just uh it's about sort of uh the armenian american experience and it's kind of about a, a, a kid like me growing up in 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 white american suburbia who like learns about his past and tries to reconcile with it um and it's by peter Blockin. um that's a great book i would recommend my brother's keeper by Monty uh, or by um, Monty Malconian's brother about Monty Malconian. Um, yeah, those are um, two books I would recommend. Operation Nemesis, which is about the Armenians who avenged the the genocide and uh, systematically executed all of the um, uh, government officials who orchestrated the genocide like later on after it happened it was like this spy operation which is another movie me and aaron my brother are gonna write which would be so sick like (laughs) that would be tight to do (laughs) yeah just like a revenge thriller but like you know not exploitative Mm. um yeah so those would be things to check out for sure um, so, so you mentioned like, uh, you know, obviously your f- fun times running through San Francisco. Um, I, and is that like a fairly new hobby? Cause I remember like when, when we did the, the, the short film, like I remember you, I, go ahead. Uh, intent to destroy death, denial and depiction. That's a documentary. Um, that was the documentary that Joe Berlinger made. Ah. and. So basically he meets with historians and scholars uh, to discuss the Armenian genocide and the continuing denial by uh, the Turkish government. That's a good documentary to check out. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyways, yeah, the running has been somewhat recent. I would say Uh, it increased a lot after my epilepsy diagnosis in 2016. Um, Just something to... Uh, have a routine. Um, I think last year I switched 
medications, uh, seizure medications, mm. and this medication made me gain uh, 80 pounds in four months. This was last year. And I was like, it, that amount of weight in four months, it was just, I was um, uh, like, I think probably the most unhealthy I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, so I switched medication and I found the right medication. After that, I was doing my running routine and the pounds just like shed off because it was false weight. You know, I'm naturally um, kind of, um, I guess, a skinnier person. Uh, so that weight just came off. And then I lost, in the next four months, I lost 100 pounds. So I did 180 weight fluctuation in eight months. Dude. Yeah. And yeah. I remember like I saw a picture of you and I was like, what the hell? I was, yeah, I was like, hey, was, bro, are you okay? Yeah. Like, what's going on? Like, <laughs> I was like, holy it shit, it's a completely different person, dude. Yeah, it was it was crazy. But um, <laughs> it was, you know, yeah. Uh, it turned into something where I was like, wow, I've lost 20 pounds. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep going. And it's like, then it turned into running goals mm-hmm. where like I was increasing distance. And then I was like, shit, I'm going to run a marathon. So in January, before this whole pandemic, I ran the uh, Walt Disney World Marathon in Florida by myself. Dude, that's tough. It was so fun, man. Like there was, there was like, like Disney TV videos on like the course and like characters where you could stop and pose with. <laughs> like, I was so tired. I was just like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. uh, see you later, Mickey. I can't stop. <laughs> <laughs> but like the day before I, I, I planned it out. So like I had a couple of days. So the day before I hit up the theme park mm-hmm. by myself, mm-hmm. got the fast pass. Hell yeah. And uh, did it, did all the rides like Tower of Terror like five times. That's my favorite ride of all time. Nice. So fun. Ugh. How was Avatar or Pandora? Dude, I didn't, I didn't, uh, didn't cover that. Okay. But I, I did, I did one of the Star Wars rides. It was the Millennium Falcon, but the other ones, the, the, the lines were too long. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was, it was fun. Um, so so, how long was that marathon? Like miles or how long? Um, yeah, yeah, miles. Yeah, twenty six point two miles. Yeah, and then you know it's like three to four hours of running. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I didn't anticipate is that I was r- like training in you know thirty to forty degree weather, and then it was like ninety five degrees. Oh, that's horrible. Plus humidity. Yeah, that's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that that kind of uh, heat drains you, man. Dude, seriously, right? just thinking about it, he's like, yeah, I'm fucking tired, bro. Yeah, and then after the marathon, I was like, what do I do now? And uh. then I set a goal of running a hundred miles every month, which I've done every month this year. Dude. And then I ran an, I ran another marathon and april and i've ran five half marathons this year as well mm-hmm. so how do that's just <laughs> i think you're due for noah change my boy I know. <laughs> <laughs> what's that i said I th- yeah oh yeah I know. <laughs> Seriously, dude. 
I, I, had, I had been running. It's funny you say that because I've been running on the same shoes for like, <laughs> no way, for, for like 12 months, no. dude. I swear to God. And, and until like last week. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I was shit. just like, I was just like accepting it as like, this is how it is. Like, yeah. this is how <laughs> your, your feet are going to feel. And I looked at my shoes and I was like, oh my God, I got to change my running shoes. <laughs> like 800 miles on it. How does this, yeah. How does this go on a dress? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what it uh so i mean obviously you know pandemic or whatever and like how does a marathon work in the pandemic like are you still a bunch of people are at the starting line or is it is it time no, like how does that work it's now? it's um every it's it's virtually you just do it on your own and you do like um one of the apps that like they accept for GPS. Oh. So you record your, your GPS Got on it. the course and your time as well. Uh-huh. And then you submit it there and um, you don't have to run on the exact day. So there's, it's not restrictive. Um, you can sort of train on your own, but there's like a time window of like two weeks okay. um, where, you, where you run the marathon and submit your time. But um, to do it as safe as possible, you, you know, everyone runs by themselves. At least mm-hmm. I did in my own neighborhood. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. But I think my second marathon, I didn't run with water. There was no, cause in the first marathon, there's water breaks like every couple miles. Mm-hmm. And I was just like chugging water, yeah. <laughs> chugging Gatorade. Like I had never drinking that much in my entire life, like gallons, I think. Mm-hmm. But this, this the virtual marathon, like I didn't stop at all for a water break, twenty six point two miles, and really, yeah, got dehydrated. So probably not going to run another one until <laughs> it's, you know this pandemic's over. Yeah, for sure. I, and in like, how are the experiences between like running with a bunch of people and then kind of running by yourself? Like, which one do you like better? I like running solo better and with my dog too. Yeah. Um, he, you know, be, running with people can be nice. Um, but I like the, I like the solitude mm-hmm. of, of running. It gets very, it's very meditative for me. Okay. When you get, you get a good uh, soundtrack and you know, um, you get a good, um, vantage point and scenery uh and you find that 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 perfect like moment of of peace when you're running i love that Mm -hmm. and that's hard to find when you want run with a group yeah no yeah i can definitely see that i can definitely see that like go ahead i'm sorry jeff uh i was gonna say like in like in high school like you know i would run all the time and then you know one of my buddies like oh she joined like cross country but it's it's the same reason why you like to run by yourself it's you know I like mm-hmm. to be by myself. I use it as like, you know, to clear the mind, you know, I don't do it to like yeah. compete. And like, I would, f- right. I would find it really annoying to like be like running behind someone. And if they like slow down, then you have to go around you know, it's like running very much is like, you find that sweet spot, like you're saying. Exactly. And then if something happens, you have to slow down, it can get you out of it. And it's hard to get back into, you know, your pace and stuff. So I definitely see where you're coming from with that. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's like driving in traffic, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally, yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, um, 
how's uh how's the the baby joe dude he's doing good bro thanks for asking yeah yeah man like uh super i mean like i was telling mike uh, mike came over yesterday and finally met him and like Yesterday was actually a weird day. He was actually super fussy yesterday. But besides that, he's been chill, man. Like, hardly cries. Like, you know, it's just clockwork. Like, wakes up, eats, diaper. Like, just that's kind of like he's – I would say he's in the easy phase right now. You know, it's like he's Mm. three things that could be wrong with him, and that's about it. And then for (laughs) the most part, he's just, like, chilling. He'll just, you know, be in your arms staring at you, which is, like, such a trip. You know, like, he'll just sit there just – looking dead into your eyes you know and like he doesn't it's it's a little creepy too because he like he hardly smiles so he's just staring at you <laughs> so just like dude, i don't even want i don't even want to know what you're thinking right now bro <laughs> but um but it's been awesome man it's uh, it's definitely like it's it's beautiful dude like i'm glad i i waited too till i was this age if i had it younger i i wouldn't have appreciated it you know what i mean i think i would have been mentally i would have been i was too i was too like immature you know i wouldn't have yeah i wouldn't have uh approached it with like an open mind open heart you know i think i would have been super stressed um yeah so yeah man it's been it's been freaking awesome dude like i highly recommend it you know whenever whenever you guys get to that point if if you want to get to that point are you recommending having babies <laughs> Yeah, dude. Oh my god, I am yeah. recommending it when, when you know, you know, at your own time, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Dude, and, uh, this is uh, this is my baby. Hell yeah. right Here for now. Such a good dog too. Uh, he's like I love uh, Lupo, man. Such a good dog. He's tired because he went on a run, but like you know, he's he's a handful, but like yeah. uh, he's nothing compared to a newborn baby. Right. He's easy. Yeah, Joe. Yeah. Joe's baby is so handsome too. Like he had like the cutest baby, and uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I was gonna say it's a trip because uh, like a lot of my friends had kids at a young age, you know, and when when they found out they were having kids, their their, their reaction was like it was like oh fuck, yeah, <laughs> like oh shit, yeah. you know. But now that you're older, you're like oh I'm gonna have a baby, like oh fuck yeah I'm gonna have a baby, yeah. you know, like yeah. you celebrate, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's funny how that changes with age and perspective. Like, um, what about you, Mike? Any, any kids on the way in the future? Uh, they're in TJ, you know, I'll see them when I see them. No, I'm kidding, dude. No, no kids. (laughs) (laughs) No, no kids, man. And, uh, you know, uh, in in the future, it'd be nice. You know, I, I could, you know, seeing Max yesterday, it was like, oh, fuck, like I want one, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I I think I have so much going on right now that, uh, and I don't have a, I don't have a partner that I'm like, all right, cool. Like this chick's awesome. She's not psycho. Like, you know? So, um, you want to make sure you partner up with someone that's compatible and understanding. And now now that we're older, we, we, we kind of have a list that we kind of have to check before we partner up with someone, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. It, 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 that's a good point. I've become like way more selective yeah. because, you know, you're thinking about the future more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the older you get, it's like you realize, you know, you only have so much time and you don't want to waste right. it by like getting the wrong partner. And it's like, well, there goes another mm-hmm. two years of my life. I'm not going to get back. You know, it's like, oh, now I'm yeah. 35 years old. Sick. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so it's definitely like yeah. I tell people like, you know, it, it's a beautiful thing, but definitely do it when you feel you're ready. You know, I mean, you're never mm-hmm. really going to be ready, but you definitely get to a point where you're like, okay, 
I, I think I want kids now, you know? And I tell people, like, it's yeah. awesome, dude, but, like, do it when you feel ready. Like, don't think, like, you know, you, you because you're getting older, you should do it. Just do it when you feel ready, man. Like, you don't want to rush into it because you're not going to enjoy it as much, I feel. You know? I mean, that's my For opinion, sure. you know, but who knows? Oh, that's, that's good advice. That's his, it's his, yeah, me, me and Lupo, or... Lupo and I will will adopt when we're ready. No. <laughs> so uh, he just walks out of the room like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, uh, where where are you from? Like, I, I didn't, I didn't. Uh, so from San Mateo, born in San Mateo, and kind of grew up in San Mateo, Burlingame. Mm-hmm. Um, Burlingame first, then San Mateo later, and. Still live in San Mateo. Spent some time in Burlingame. Lived a bit in Florence when I studied there in college, which was cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's it. And then, of course, uh, on my mom's side, uh, they are primarily French-Canadian. Mm-hmm. So they uh, immigrated from France to Canada to the Dakotas to Oregon. Wow. W- weird weird migration yeah. <laughs> like we want to see and the country that, let's go <laughs> yeah and then on that side of the family the french canadians we got steve prefontaine that's actually i should have mentioned that that's where i get my running mm. passion mm-hmm. like and steve prefontaine is my first cousin twice removed so that means my great great grandmother prefontaine was his grandmother prefontaine so we share a grandmother mm-hmm. um but he was the same age as my mom, but he died in a car accident when he was 24. Um, and that was like a very big influence on me uh, growing up. I always said like, you know, when people ask me, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, oh, I want to be a runner. And they were like, that's not a job. And I was like, yeah, it is. My cousin did it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but then I realized I didn't get his running jeans. Like, <laughs> you know, can't. Yeah, can't do it as a, in a career if you're not uh, like freakishly fast, yeah, or have like a abnormal cardiovascular system, you know, bionic legs, <laughs> bionic legs, yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. That's awesome. How would you describe your childhood? Uh, it was good, man. It was it was great. Uh, I had a loving family. Um, you know, I'm I am so grateful to have. Uh, you know, two parents that were supportive of what I wanted to, to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I did the typical sort of uh, group sports growing up, like AYSO and I think BYBO, um, like baseball and soccer, the basketball and uh, track and all that. And, you know, it was a mostly typical kind of suburban childhood uh one thing i kind of realized is um like all the time (laughs) i would be asked by uh uh, classmates teachers coaches um like it would always be like uh uh where are you from or what are you (laughs) and i would answer 
and they would answer and they would be like, no, I mean, where, where, where are you from? And I would be like, yeah, San Mateo. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Planet Earth. <laughs> they were like, no, what, what are you? And I'm like, why does that matter? I'm a fucking man. <laughs> there was a lot of, there was a lot of that. Yeah. You know, it was so like, it was, it's so like wonder bread, pasty fucking white in my neighborhood where I grew yeah. up. But other than that, I have no complaints. Like there's great people here, but, um, <laughs> you know, there's, uh, um, yeah, other than that, I didn't really experience anything. Yeah. yeah. Look at this guy. He looks all exotic. Hey, man, where are you right? from? <laughs> yeah. And then like, some people were even so bold like to just like guess what I looked like. <laughs> like, and they would say it like in a negative, like they would be like, you look like a Jew. And I would be like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> First of all, I take that as a compliment. Second of all, like, <laughs> Jesus, man. <laughs> like, what the hell is wrong with We're you? We're in huh? second period, dude. Chill. Like, what the <laughs> yeah. hell? I haven't had coffee yet. Like, 8.30. Yeah. Like, calm down, bro. It's like, what part of Mexico are you from, Alex? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've never seen a Mexican like you. What's going on here? <laughs> oh, man. That's I kind of got that growing up, too, a little bit, though. Because I have, like, you know, the Asian eyes. So they're always like, man, I, oh, yeah. like, where are you from? I'm like, San Jose. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you mean, dude. Like, like yeah, but like, but like, you're tall, so you can't be like Mexican. I'm like, I'm 100% Mexican. They're like, no, you got something else. I'm like, nah, dude, I'm 100% Mexican. I don't know what to tell you. Unless my mom lied to me, I, I think that's what I am. You know what I Get mean? on the phone right now. <laughs> it's so weird, man. And then that was mostly like, you know junior high like elementary school you know like kids are kids are yeah. brutal man they yeah just you know no filter yeah. no filter man just blunt yeah kids fucking kids being kids yeah. Yeah. yeah hey alex uh growing up what movies influenced you if if there's any at all um we got edward scissor i was gonna ask is my main influence uh i saw that when i was tw 11 years old yeah. possibly 10 but that was the movie that got me into cinema got me into film that was uh just like i saw that and i cried my eyes out when i was 11 years old and i was sitting in the little our upstairs movie room in between me and my brother's room by myself and when the uh ending came on and like you got winona Ryder in the aging makeup as an old lady yeah. um an old woman uh and she's describing that Edward didn't age and, you know, before he came here, it never snowed, it snowed, but after it did. And then it shows him all alone in his castle, just implying that he'll be alone there forever because he, he can't function with society. And like, you know, I understood the themes at a young age, but like, it's hard to put that into words when you're watching a movie that complex that young. Yeah. But like, I cried my eyes out in the end and I had no idea why it was so sad. So I wanted to, to really delve into why a movie like that and why a scene like that could make me emote so deeply. And uh, that that also sort of prompted my interest in film criticism and, and interest in just what goes on behind the scenes too, because like 
ever since then, I've like deconstructed every aspect of Edward Scissorhands from like Bo Welch's, you know, production design to uh, Caroline Thompson's inspiration for the character. Um, you know, and the short story that she wrote um, that inspired this. So like um, other movies I would say would be like um, childhood classics, like the Goonies, uh, Hook. I'm a huge Hook fan uh, just because I would watch that with my siblings and a couple family friends all the time. Uh, um, That scene where the where the kid where where you know Rob Williams is old so they don't believe that he's Peter Pan and finally the first person to believe that he's Peter is is that little kid who pulls his face back and he goes oh there you are Peter like <laughs> uh, that's such a good scene and then and then um, the food fight scene when it's just paint but they're imagining a big feast and like I think just those movies really don't like uh, encourage children to um, explore their imaginations and their creative side. Um, I mean, I got to thank Spielberg for that, but I also got to thank Nickelodeon because have you ever thought, I just watched a documentary about Nickelodeon. Like I was raised on, on that more than the Disney channel. And those shows were so like, weird they were so bizarre but they were so uh, complex and they had like um relevant like social issues like uh, incorporated into them and like uh, but they were like um i think people who are raised on nickelodeon are like probably different than people who are raised on on Disney. yeah <laughs> I, I don't know for sure for I, sure yeah i like to think of his doug you know yeah. doug the doug yeah man doug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah man i feel like disney I was just too so. safe you know everything was just safe right you know? um there was no risk yeah yeah nickelodeon was like fuck it <laughs> You know, and I think like it just like it, it further like uh, helped shape kids like you're saying creativity. You know, it kind of kept that like childlike mentality going for a lot of kids, even like into into their like teens. You know, yeah. And then you know, um, a little bit later in like my teens, I would say like Richard Linklater is a big influence. Uh, his before trilogy is like. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen like three movies as good as that. Uh, at least in terms of like dialogue, um, you know, as far as trilogies go, I mean, it's Lord of the Rings and the before trilogy for me. Mm. <laughs> Such a weird combination. <laughs> you got this romance is really dramatic romance and then mm. fantasy. But if you think about the Lord of the Rings, like the third movie won all the Oscars it was nominated for, 11. Yep. Like for a third movie and a fantasy trilogy to do <laughs> that? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, take that, Twilight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and uh, I just saw this movie, um, A Place of Hold on, let's see if you can get this. Place Among the Dead. Whoa, dude, uh, you're not wearing any pants? Come on, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for that. (laughs) What if I I Jeffrey (laughs) Tupin? So, 
Yeah, Place Among the Dead by Juliet Landau. Um, she was uh, um, Drew Gisilia on, uh, I think, Buffy the Vampire Slayer and then Angel, the, the spinoff series, and she's been in a ton of stuff ever since. Um, and sh- this movie explores like why our culture is so... Um, speaking of Twilight, uh, um, obsessed and fascinated with vampire mythology. Mm. Um, and it's a combination of fiction and, and documentary. And she plays like a, a fictionalized version of herself. I strongly recommend it for when it comes out. Um, yeah, I would go to Modern Films slash A Place Among the Dead to check it out. Juliet's a uh, great person. And her husband, Dev, also co-wrote it. Um, It's a good one. Um, She interviews Gary Oldman and Robert Patrick and uh, a few others. Lance Henriksen. And Tim, she's going to, she has this new series uh, coming out called the Undead series, where she interviews just, uh, people who have been in vampire films, people who have made vampire films, people who have written vampire films, and she talks to them about our culture's fascinated, like our fascination with it. Like Anne Rice is gonna is gonna be on the series. Tim Burton, Willem Dafoe, Shit. Um, and then Gary Oldman, of course, because he played Dracula. Um, and then there's a lot of others, uh, like big wigs. I think the creator of True Blood too. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. What uh, what what would you say is your favorite like vampire film? That is a good question. I would say possibly Jim Jarmusch's uh, recent film that came out a couple of years ago. Can't remember the name of it. You guys, can you guys recall? Mm, I don't think I've seen it. No. Yeah, I don't think I've seen it either. Um, it, it had Tom Hiddleston, Tom Hiddleston, and I watched the vampire movie not too long ago, and I didn't finish. I didn't finish watching all of it, but it was with uh, Tom Cruise. Oh, Interview with a Vampire. Yeah. Dude, oh, that, that one's a that's one of yeah. That favorite. one's a classic. Yeah, that was pretty legit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. So. Um, Jim, wow, this came out in 2013. Where did the time go? <laughs> it came out last year. <laughs> You're like 1999. Um, so it's called Only Lovers Left Alive. It's it's such a unique uh vampire film because I mean, it's Jim Jarmish, you know, he he's got he directs such like odd, mm-hmm. unique. Mm-hmm. quirky films um and it's got tom hiddleston and tilda swinton as like the main vampires <laughs> um but anton yelchin is in it rest in peace i miss that guy um maya wasikowska mia wasikowska who i've interviewed she's great mm-hmm. uh jeffrey wright who's great john hurt who's a legend yeah remember him and uh alien what uh um i was gonna say have you seen uh it's an FX series. I don't even know if it's on the air anymore. I only saw the first season. Oh, what we do. Yeah, Adams. dude. That show <laughs> yeah, is so dude, fucking uh, funny, man. Oh my it's god. So it's good. it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. <laughs> like the the parody of the vampire jump yeah. they've perfected. <laughs> it's so good. You know, dude. like I would say that and the movie on which it's based, like the Taika uh, YTT, 
like um it was like an, a small indie film out of new zealand mm-hmm. before it was a series like that's one of my favorites for sure mm-hmm. top three i think with uh only lovers left alive and interview with vampire yeah and i love my my favorite character um on uh, uh what we do in the shadows is um the british dude and guillermo <laughs> there's fucking like the british dude he like the, when he drops the f-bomb it's so fucking perfect <laughs> <laughs> and then guillermo i love that he's uh a van helsing it's just like his character arc is hilarious he's like killing vampires <laughs> right and left <laughs> Oh man. And then Antonio Banderas, like is his uh, idol because he's like the only, um, he's the only, um, Latino vampire that's like ever been in, I think, uh, a film or something. I was interviewed with the vampire. So like, remember he's like, like his, uh, the vampire, like he's his familiar and like he gives him a painting. He thinks he's going to t- finally turn him into a yeah, vampire, yeah. but he gives him a painting of uh, Antonio Banderas. Him and Antonio <laughs> Banderas. It's great. It's like every episode you're like, eh, today's a day. And it's just like his heart is crushed every time. Dude. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's so yeah. sad, man. Is, um, what? Didn't Tarantino make a vampire film or was that somebody yeah, else? from from dust till dawn oh, yeah robert rodriguez yeah okay did he that like direct um, it or produced it i can't remember what he I, I think he wrote it and i think rodriguez directed oh, okay. it but like i want to say they like split the job because it's like two different films yeah. you can tell the first half is completely tarantino and the second half is like a mix of tarantino and rodriguez yeah. because just like it's like two different it, it flips the switch flips genres completely yeah um which i i love um i'm always up for that if it's well executed mm-hmm. like the the turning point is some hikes cra- like crazy dance oh my god dude i remember watching <laughs> it as a kid and i was like oh yeah okay. <laughs> yeah i was like Shween. <laughs> i was like hey guys dim the lights yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was crazy Oh man! Yeah, and then Cheech Marin plays like four characters. <laughs> oh, that's movie, right. <laughs> uh, that's such yeah. a good movie, dude. Just being able to talk about film with you guys. I mean, I could freaking probably talk about film for literally like twenty-four hours straight. Yeah. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. that's uh, like the thing that I run on like people you know for some people it's reading a book for me it's like watching a movie yeah watching tv not like i don't like to read uh is there a modern goonies like a movie similar to the goonies to the goonies Hmm. i would say super eight came pretty close because that that yeah it was jj abrams but that was like purposefully replicated yeah it was like an uh, homage Spielberg to formula. It, yeah. yeah for it sure was a, it was an homage yeah, yeah it was it was a and the, the kids dialogue it was totally like um goonie-esque yeah. you know yeah um but it's hard to come close you know it's like yeah dude it's i think it's one of those ingredients that just came together mm-hmm. and then magic you just it's hard to repeat yeah and you you would think now right with like the different cameras we have like technology and 
you know, just we have access. Uh, we have access to a lot more things now, you know. Yeah. Yeah. What are what are some of the movies that shaped your guys' childhood? Ooh, man, that is a good one. Um, I think definitely, yeah. I would I would throw Goonies in there as well, you know, because yeah. there isn't a day that goes, you know, uh, probably like, yeah, there wouldn't be a a year that goes by where you don't, you know, quote some line from the Goonies. You know what I mean? Like it's just like engraved in my childhood. Um, I think I think another big one, um, and it, and it's just a scene is like goodwill hunting i know that wasn't like my childhood mm. but it was still like when i when i mm. saw that movie in the scene where uh like matt damon is with um uh, uh robin williams and he's just telling him like dude it's like it's okay and he kept telling him it's okay oh, and then he like yeah. breaks down yeah, and he, he finally yeah like that yeah. shit fucks me up every time dude and it's just like that th- that yeah. made me like you know because obviously you see you know robin williams like jumanji you know um you know, all like the hit movies, you know, but like that movie, I was like, for me, that performance is like, that to me is like what defines Robin Williams. Like, you know, he, you know, him as a funny guy. And then just that scene alone, I was like, that guy is legit. Me too. He's a legend. Like just yeah. for that scene alone, you know? And he, he, I was so happy when he won that Oscar. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's like, you know, it's funny. You bring up a good point. A lot of funny people have that, that, that pain in them because comedy and misery, you know, they go together. And so you, you see so many nuanced and deep performances from comedians out of left, seemingly out of left mm-hmm. field. Um, you know, I've, I've noticed Bob Odenkirk, you know, he delivers great dramatic performances. He's a comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, some of the other people, you know, like Andy Samberg, he, he can turn in a great dramatic performance. Um, yep. I'm blanking on the others, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a trend I've noticed, you know, mm-hmm. and tap into that, that side where yeah. they, they, the dark side where they draw also draw on their comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, you hear that a lot from like stand-up comedians where it's just like, you know, it, it, comedy was like our therapy. Like, you know, we grew up with like a lot of pain and comedy, we became funny because we're like, oh, we're going to make fun of ourselves first before anybody else can. And it's like a sense of humor. It was like a way of like deflecting, you know, pain or whatever. Just like, you know, making people laugh. It just made them happier. And I think I might misquote him, but like Robin Williams says something about that too. Where it's like, you know, I like to make people happy because I know what it feels like to be sad. And I don't want people to feel mm-hmm. that way. So it's like, you know, I say stupid shit. Yeah. I act stupid you know, in a certain way, because I don't want people to feel that way. And it's like, and it's, right. I can totally understand that, you know, it's, it, you know. Yeah. 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 It's almost like, you know, you get, you get endorphins from making other people laugh mm. and feel good yeah. in and of itself. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Some of them. Uh, what about you, Mike? What's what's yep. some movies? <laughs> yeah. yeah, Goonies for sure. I think uh, that's how I got into hiking. I was always hoping that I would embark an adventure like the uh, Goonies, you know, like uh, just go somewhere different and find gold somewhere, you know. Um, I think that fueled my passion for hiking, and and now subconsciously, like when I go hiking, I still wish I could stumble across like a treasure chest somewhere, yeah, you dude. know. <laughs> hey, you guys. <laughs> uh, so Goonies for sure, and and, and it's kind of weird, but Lost Boys, you know, like being a teenager, Ooh, motorcycles yeah, yeah. and flying. Hell yeah! Yes, you know. Yeah. So that was cool, and then uh, 
Sandlot, of course, and then Sandlot. Oh, I forgot about Sandlot. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, there's a movie yes. called La Bamba. I really like it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like rock and roll, old cars, and mm-hmm. you know, Richie Valens. So, mm-hmm. yeah, those are like yeah, it's crazy. Do you remember the first movie you ever saw? Who? Uh, it might have been Free Willy. Really? Wow. Could have been. Do you remember Free Willy came with like a, a necklace of the little well? When you did it, really? when you would buy it. Yeah, when you would buy it. Like in oh, shit. with that, you got the necklace. That's Damn, the necklace. I, I remember, remember that. that. Like the oh, the VHS or the stuffed animal. The VHS. Oh, okay. Yeah, Cause I I was so into it. I got like the stuffed animal, and I was in my bed, and like I would re- reenact the scene with the stuffed animal going free Willie. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah that's a cl- Damn, I missed out on the necklace. I'm gonna have to eBay that. Oh, damn, dude, he can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Three days later, he's gonna send us a text. I found it. I got it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got it for uh, $3 million. <laughs> that was too Happened funny. Happened to the country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I maxed out my credit cards. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> damn. What about you, Mike? Do you remember your first movie? Uh, first movie? Uh, you know, I, I don't, I can't recall my first movie, but I know. One of like the uh, one of the memories that comes to mind when I think first movies is a uh, Night of the Living Dead, like the Ooh, first one. Damn. I thought that was the scariest stuff ever. When people, yeah, you know, they're in their house and the zombies are trying to get in, yeah. and then you see a hand rip through the wall, and yeah. you're like, "Oh shit, what's going on?" You know? <laughs> yeah, that one's a For trip. Sure. Yeah, that. So I remember that seeing that as a kid, and oh, that was God. scary. Where did you see it? Yeah. I don't know. It, it, it might have been like some of my older cousins. You know, they didn't. Mm. They didn't care if you were a little kid. <laughs> yeah. like, don't play anything. <laughs> the, the kind of cousins that that wouldn't like skip past the sex scenes. You know, when you're a little kid, yeah. you're like, oh shit. Yeah. They'd be like, hey, don't, yeah, man. don't look away. Keep watching. <laughs> <laughs> like George George A. Romero, like is definitely one of the inventors of the the zombie genre. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you ever see the the remake of Day of, was it Day of the Dead? I think it came out in like two thousand three mm-hmm. with like James Gunn. Uh, he co-wrote the script, and it's got Bing Rhames. Who else has it got? I don't know. Do you guys remember that remake? I want. I want to say yeah. Just I don't think I know it by name. Uh, I kind of remember um, Night of the Living Dead. Kind of like I kind of read a take of it being like an allegory for. Um, like the exclusivity of the suburbs mm. um, and like the collective like fear, a white person's fear of minorities coming into your neighborhood to the suburbs that you um, quote unquote created and escaped to from the city. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I can see that. Yeah. Cause that's what the suburbs were created for. I think mm-hmm. ultimately. Yeah. Yeah. Is for uh, affluent white people to create their own like castles a- away from the you know crime of the c- mm, city yeah, or whatever. City, yeah. God, there's one movie that was just so good. I remember it was like one of the first ones that was shot on video too. It was, I believe, it was like a, a mm. pop, maybe it was like a is it a hundred and God, what was the movie, dude? I can't remember. But the actor was he played. Scarecrow in the Batman movies. Um, ooh, ooh, 28 Days Later. There we go. Yeah. Ooh, that that movie, movie so yeah. good, dude. Crazy. 
Dude, that is um, that like reinvented the genre when it was like in a mm. in a lull, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, and I have to show you now because you mentioned it. Uh, here's uh, my 28 Days Later there we poster. Go. Yeah, that was uh, that's an original. Came with the release. Um, here's a quote from Daily Mail. It says, "Reinvents the zombie horror film and it's scary, scary as hell." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because it was my Suspiria poster, nice. the remake and the original. And if you guys want a little original, ooh, there from we go. the product, it's a production still. Damn, there we go. that is tight. Where do you get yeah. all? Do you use like bid, bid on eBay, or there's like a actual? I mean, don't you know? There's there's um certain like there's two or three like film poster sites that I okay, go to okay. that are legit. Like poster toddy, and then a couple other like film art gallery, uh, and then I go on eBay for the others. Yeah, um, I get, like sellers that I trust um, that have good record and, and whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it can get dangerous because <laughs> once you start, it's hard to stop. Like <laughs> I want to get this poster, I want to get that poster. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But I think it's a good investment though, because it it retains its value. If not, you know, it goes up in value. So right, I think it's right. not you not know. too shabby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you could always sell it. You know, if you want to do some spring cleaning mm. over the years. It's true. <laughs> you guys uh, ever see the Haunting of Hill House series? Oh yeah. Okay. Um, this is. I'm trying to see. Those are the video games from Steven's uh, Sega Genesis setup. <laughs> Steven Crane's Sega Genesis setup from uh, the Red Room. Whoa. Um, and then The Haunting of Bly Manor. That is uh, Henry's Stationery. Mm. And then there's Steven Crane's uh, Game Boy from the film. Those are... These are the keys that were used in Bly Manor, which is pretty sweet. And then <laughs> I've got Indiana Jones's uh, replica lighter from the Last Crusade. Here are all my playing cards that I collect, oh, nice. like movie theme playing cards. Mm. I think my oldest one is Batman Returns, which is probably ninety. Yeah, yeah. ninety two. But I got Goonies in there. What, um, what was that thing you had from her? Was that just like a... Oh, that was the four-year consideration um, Oscar screenplay that they sent out to voters. Oh, nice. Um, and it's kind of cool because it ended up winning the uh, yeah. the award. This That's the screenplay. And then I also got the Logan uh, screenplay. It was nominated Hell yeah. Um, the four-year consideration. Um, yes. Also cool to like read some of those screenplays and like mm. some of your favorite, uh, see how some of your favorite scenes were written. That's true. That's really useful too. Like it's um, incredibly mm-hmm. um, more useful than some of like the online classes I've taken to. You know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I always tell people when they it's ask me about like, movies and stuff you know i tell them like you know what you see on the screen wasn't necessarily written 
And what you you know, it's like a movie goes through three writing phases. It's the screenplay, and then it gets rewritten right. when it's shot, and then it gets rewritten when it's edited. You know, it's like it's very rare when you see yeah. a movie that is like, you know, word for word, what's on the page is on the screen. You know, it almost never happens. Oh, absolutely. Um, this is my promotional pint glass collection. Fuck. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. That's pretty dope, dude. So, like, growing up, like, were your parents or or even, like, your brother, like, did did they, like, collect anything or? Um, I think it was just, like, my brother collected cards. Mm-hmm. I think at a brief point, he, he was a, a magic card Ooh, person nice. and did baseball cards. Mm. Um, my dad was a coin collector. Mm. So I think I picked up on that. Yeah. Um, these are some of my shells. It says Jaws, Back to the Future. Oh. Edward Scissorhands. It's my DC and Marvel superhero. It's my VHSs. Nice. Star Wars shelf autograph from Mark Hamill to Alex. Whoa, that's tight. <laughs> yeah, there's a little Harry Potter, Stranger Things. Just kind of my 80s. Got some Goonies, Stranger Things. Uh, this is my Hollywood Tower Hotel thing. I got all the keys that were ever made. Cool. So for our listeners, uh, what's your ad- what's your address if they want to come uh, <laughs> get a personal tour? Yeah. <laughs> this is probably my favorite. Um, That's cool. This is the replica of the uh, dra- um, raptor claw from Jurassic Park. Yeah. And then you got like, yeah, some other park stuff. Like brochures from the theme park. Yeah, it's sick. It's just like... Yeesh useless stuff you don't need but but it's great to have it's fun yeah for sure <laughs> um i'm jealous yeah man <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty awesome <laughs> it's people come to my house i'm like and yeah. this is my trash can and here are my cups you know <laughs> it's like you have a lot of things that i didn't know i wanted yeah <laughs> like, i want that oh, i want that that's oh, <laughs> yeah, so I mean, true dude that's like pretty much what i've been spending all my freelance income on mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, collecting on yeah. on on the pandemic but it's it's a fun fun hobby Mm. and i've also been like uh like um reselling too like Mm. stuff that i like decided oh you know i'm not really attached to this like find out that like you're saying mike like you can resell it and actually make a profit so yeah it's kind of cool i've got like my own ebay like business yeah there you go (laughs) there you go you do the whole like marie Kondo. like does this bring me joy (laughs) Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's funny. Does this uh, <laughs> does this Jurassic Park license plate give me joy? Yeah. Yes, I think it. Yeah, does. <laughs> <laughs> that's too funny, man. <laughs> what about you guys? Like, I, um, I keep my place clean, but like, I used to have all my uh things lying around mm. like before i was organized like mm-hmm. are you guys uh clean or do you guys say more of a messy side um i would say i like to have order for the mo- most part like i like to have stuff clean um 
Yeah. But I'm also like when I'm organizing, like I f- fuck my house up. Like when I'm cleaning, because like I'm so weird. Like I like to like have every. If I'm gonna organize like my desk area, like my editing station, I put everything out. Then I'm like, all right, now now I organize this little stash, put it in its right spot. So while I'm, you know, tidying up, it looks like a hurricane went through my whole area. Like it <laughs> looks so bad. But like generally speaking, I like to have stuff like where it's at, and I like to be like minimal. I like to have minimal stuff in a room, like. I, I just yeah. like I walk into a room and there's, if there's stuff everywhere, I'm just like, this is freaking me out, dude. And like, it's like too busy, too yeah. loud. Um, yeah, I would say I'm kind of lax on like the cleaning and stuff like that. But I definitely like to have as minimal as possible items in my house. For sure. Yeah. Mike's a complete slob, dude. Like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> my eyes lit up. Mike's more. like, yeah, yeah, keep going. Keep like, going. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I like, I like to be organized. Like if I go into the garage and if I, if I pick up like, uh, my backpack for hiking, like everything's in there, flashlights, extra batteries and my knife, headlamp and my, my, my water pack, you know, if, if I pick up like, you know, like my gun case, I know like my goggles are there, my hearing uh, you know, uh, protectors are there. So I like being organized uh, and just being prepared. Uh, but I have, I have sometimes, uh, you know, my laundry gets out of control. Like, yeah. and that's that. That's sometimes mm-hmm. like right now, you know. But like, yeah. I'll, I'll be, cl- I'll be organized and clean and productive elsewhere. But then when it comes down to my laundry, it's like mountains on mountains, you know. Yeah, yeah and I think for you it's a little tough yeah. too, because like if you. If you live on your own or if you live with one other person, it's a little easier. But when it's like it's a house full of people, it's so hard to keep shit like organized and like clean because like not everybody has the same like cleaning standards as you do. You know, it's like I'm like, cool, I guess that's where the cups go. Cool. You know? (laughs) (laughs) For me, it's like the the dog hair. My dog Mm. is almost year round shedding. Like there's two big phases of shedding, but there's always like loose hairs. So I just have a gum I vacuum once a month because I'm so lazy, but I got a Roomba Ooh, nice. instead, which is just a lifesaver. Yeah. Like put that on once a day mm-hmm. for an hour and uh, cleans up most of the hair. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, there's bunches of hair on my rug in my room that like <laughs> I pretend aren't there. Yeah. I have to pretend aren't there or else I'll just, you know, <laughs> vacuum for hours. Yeah. <laughs> that's too funny. Yeah, that's the thing about having yeah. a dog. Like, yeah, you, you want the dog to, you know, go on the sofa or, the, you know, the couch, lay down next to you. Or, you know, you want to bring the guy, you know, if you go to the store, you want to bring him with. But, dude, the hair they leave behind is like, oh, my God. Yeah, like, man, yeah. It's so frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> you have to, like, constantly apologize yeah. to people when they get in, their, in your car. You're like, hey, man, I'm sorry. Here's a lint roller. I'm sorry. You know? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm always like, sorry. I I always say, I'm God, sorry. It yeah. smells like ass. That's me. But all the hair, uh, I'm sorry for that. Too. That's my dog. <laughs> the smell is me. The hair is my dog. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Forgive us both. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, that's good. For for me, it's like the smell. The smell is my dog. The hair is. It's like one thing with Armenians. I don't know. Maybe it's just my family, but we're just the we're, the, we're so fucking hairy. <laughs> I like, I always used to think I wasn't gonna become my dad. I whatever he, I saw him with his shirt off. Uh, it was like 
Rob Williams. Yeah, yeah. You know, do you ever see uh-huh. Rob? Williams? Oh yeah, dude. He was like a a bear. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> and I was like, well. Well, I don't have any air on me. Like, there's no way I'm going to become that. Mm-hmm. And then now I'm 31, and I'm that. Yeah. Like, there's <laughs> air everywhere. It's like, what are you going to do? You know, <laughs> what are you going to do? Your dad do? take like, your shirt off. You're like, Dad, are you going to take your shirt off or what? <laughs> <laughs> Why do you have a shirt yeah. off? <laughs> dad, it's 102 outside. <laughs> take off your V-neck. Yeah. Take off your V-neck. <laughs> 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 oh, shit, that's <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> so, uh, how's uh, how are your parents, man? Is your dad still getting down with the food? Yeah, they're good. Um, yeah, still, still getting down with the food. Um, you know, uh, dad's mostly retired now, so they're they're just chilling, um, spending a lot of time up in the wine country mm. uh, where we filmed the short film. Um, and you know, that's where my brother lives and where his restaurant is, where he's uh, the head chef now. So, oh, nice. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's, it's cool. And, you know, and they're, they're trying their, their, their best to, you know, uh, serve food during the pandemic, but obviously it's a restaurant and they have to keep it outside. And, um, but yeah, they're, they're doing, they're doing well. Um, I'm spoiled because every time I see my brother, it just cooks me just amazing dishes. And I'm like, dude, yesterday I was eating like a, you know, uh, one of those frozen meals from Safeway. (laughs) Like a TV dinner? You're like, oh, Oh, man. man. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's too funny. So what kind of, uh, what's the name of your brother's restaurant? It's called the Trading Post, mm. and it's in Cloverdale, California. Mm. If anyone wants to stop by, <laughs> <laughs> what kind yeah, of food is it's, it? It's it's uh, it's like um, French American, but they serve um, a lot of other stuff. My brother's trying to experiment like every Sunday with um, serving fusion, um, Asian fusion, Mexican fusion, mm. uh, Middle Eastern fusion. Um, italian fusion so like every sunday it's uh, kind of exciting mm-hmm. um but yeah now that he's head chef he's like has more control over the food mm. yeah it's uh my favorite dish would be the fried chicken sandwich and that's a specialty item it's not on the menu you gotta request it mm. it's like the animal style fries and friend and out Ooh. but the fried chicken man it's like it's so juicy and it's on a brioche bun and it's just like the sauce with it. I don't even know what it is, mm. but oh man. After this, I'm gonna order some like so much fast food. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about like quality. No, they were like, man, like, I really want a mini meal right now. <laughs> <laughs> I want a happy meal with the Power yeah. Rangers toy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, shit. Uh, I don't know. That's just like kind of weird about being like I mean, I'm sure Mike's the same way about being like a foodie type of person where it's like if you tell somebody like, yeah, dude, I like going to these restaurants and eating some bomb food, but I also like Jack in the Box. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> it's like yeah. the spectrum of what you like eating is like so crazy when you're like a foodie type person, you know? 
Oh, for sure. Like I'm sure your uh, brother also enjoys it, like trash food, you know? Oh yeah. I, I mean, you know, our, our favorite, uh, fast food restaurant is Taco Bell hands. Down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I might, I, I might boycott because they got rid of the Mexican pizza like <laughs> last month. Yeah. Really? And that was like the, I ordered like every time I went to Taco Bell, I ordered two of those and I would just like, <laughs> just like scarf them down. Like granted, like uh, every time I go to Taco Bell, I, I order $40 worth because now that I'm running a hundred miles a month, like I yeah, just yeah. like, I order everything <laughs> on the menu and then I end up like, afterwards like oh uh, food then, coma you know, for the next two days i have taco Bell. Because, yeah <laughs> i don't know how healthy like that, that week those weeks are yeah. you know yeah. <laughs> yeah there's something about it like i like mcdonald's i can't do burger king i can't do in and out is is equal to taco bell yes. and, um, mm. in my town like those are right next to each other Ooh. and i'm always like it's always like like I've done this before. Oh, I'm going in and out. Okay, no, last minute I'm gonna go and talk about drive here. <laughs> and then I'm done. Vice versa. Shit, no, no, no. I smell the in and out. Fuck, Fuck I gotta yeah. do that. Yeah. I do you ever like that. order items from each and eat it in one meal? I'm dope. I've done yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did that. I ordered a full meal from Taco Bell, full meal from in and out one time because I couldn't decide. And, <laughs> you know, it was like it was I was in high school and we were all so stoned. Yeah. And it was just like I have to order two meals, guys. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm a growing boy. I gotta deeply, do it. <laughs> <laughs> deeply regretted yeah. it, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what 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 did your mom do for, for work? She was uh, an interior decorator. So, um, yeah, she, she always had a creative eye. Um, and I think that, that rubbed off on me a bit. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so like our house would always be like very like uniquely and creatively staged and always had these cool, like, I don't know, uh, like wallpaper designs or like touches to it. And yeah, yeah, that would always be like, uh, my mom's creative touch to our house growing up. And yeah, I think that contributed tributes to, um, yeah. My, uh, facet as an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I remember when, like when <clears throat> we shot that film and we went, we went up to the house, I was like, damn, this house looks like, from from like a fucking magazine or something dude like showroom the backyard was like so i was like damn dude like this house is legit bro (laughs) yeah i think it was in like a tuscan style magazine or something one of those uh but you know it's it's just uh it's that's all like you know her her eye and she wanted to do this mediterranean italian sort of vibe Mm-hmm. because it's asti a town named after a town in, in italy it's like you really get that sort of feel because it's a it's an old swiss italian colony from the 1800s mm-hmm. um it's very cool yeah and then like the view yeah. just like There's a lot of houses it, like that know, it's just yeah it's totally so beautiful the vineyards. yeah it's so beautiful right there it's like tuscany 
I was gonna talk about in and out, but I was like, dude, we're too we're too far gone. <laughs> <laughs> bring it back, baby, bring it back. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say there's times where I'm like, oh man, I'm craving like a number one with animal style fries and a pink lemonade, you know? Ooh. I show up to in and out to in and out and do that drive through line <laughs> so yeah. huge. And I'm like, I'm not that hungry anymore. <laughs> <laughs> What's like the longest yeah. you guys have waited in line for in and out I think I've waited 35 oh. minutes and that was like, I would never wait that long again. Yeah, maybe like 35 to 45 for me. Yeah. Um, but I was with people. If I was alone, I would have bailed for sure. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been, I think I've waited about 35 minutes, but I feel like I should have been there longer, but they're just, they're quick. You know, they're, they're yeah. pretty fast. Mm. You know, uh, you know, yeah. taking in mind like all the traffic they get, you know. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's not too bad sometimes, but sometimes it's like, oh man, like I just want to eat like right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I know. It's. Do you guys ever get the drink and the milkshake at any? Oh, absolutely. Because I can't decide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I always get the Neapolitan, you know what I mean? Just like... Neapolitan, yeah. Because you, you, you have to get all yeah, three. Yeah, you can't go wrong, yeah. dude. Can't I, go get wrong. A, I get an animal style milkshake. <laughs> With chopped chilies inside? Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. This guy's shitting his pants on the way home. <laughs> dude, I'm going to try, try dipping an animal style fry in yeah. a milkshake next time. That's a good you idea. You got to live a little, yeah, you know? Yeah, man. I think I, think I started know? doing that because, oh, was it a Adam Sandler movie with the Frosty? Where you would get the fries, oh, dip it in oh, the Frosty? yeah. Yeah, what was I can't that? What movie that was? Was it a Big Daddy? Maybe, yeah. Or no. yeah, it was Wendy's, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Have you ever done that? Got like a French fry dipped yeah. in a chocolate shake or whatever? Yeah. Woo wee. Yeah. It's like two years of your life yeah. gone when one meal, you know? <laughs> so I know. So I know. worth it. <laughs> what did they I've never had this, but what would they have you guys ever had a Mars bar? It's only in like the UK now. Oh, Mars bar. It's a. it's I think it's a fried Snickers. Or a fried Milky Way, but they say if you eat a Mars bar, like it does permanent damage to your heart oh by just eating one, like lifelong God. damage. <laughs> <laughs> there was this like article that was released with like this full on like scientific like like research that went into Mars yeah. bars, and I was just like, yeah. wow. And you said it's imagine banned all in the people US? reading this. Well, they don't. They don't. They don't sell them in the oh, U.S. I guess so I don't know if it's banned. I imagine this is the only like, country they would sell it in the U.S. You know, yeah, I know they say everything else, right? Yeah, but like, I almost want to try it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you only live once, but right? It Bucket, has to you know? be good. Yeah. <laughs> if it if it kills you, it has to be good. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You guys cook? Oh fuck yeah, dude! Sorry. I like to I like to barbecue more than cook. But the one thing I don't, and I am really bad at, is like desserts, like baking. Like I can't. I burn everything. But you know, cooking. You know, I, I like cooking a lot. You know, especially barbecue. And I like barbecuing okay. too. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Same. Yeah. I, I like. I love nice. cooking too. Um. Yeah. I, I like. You know, looking at magazines and, and checking out crazy recipes. And, mm, yeah. and you think, dude, I could never cook that. And you start doing it like, oh, shit, I made this awesome dish, you know? Yeah, dude. So that's cool. Damn. Yeah, I'm I'm not there yet, you know? I just uh, kind of like a pre-cooked. Sometimes I'll cook a chicken if I'm feeling uh, 
very bold, but that's about like the extent of my cooking. <laughs> Not very yeah. much. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you got spoiled, man. Like your dad's a good cook. You Caught your I'm brother. Sure your mom's a good cook. <laughs> and your brother's a good cook. You're like, I never have to cook again. Like, you know. Yeah. We don't blame you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're not even mad at you, Alex. Trap, <laughs> <laughs> dude. So what? Uh, what yeah. else? Uh, what else is new, man? What else are you working on? Is there anything you? Anything else you want to? You know. Uh, well, my my brother and I are somewhat soon starting our own podcast. We're not sure what it's, yeah, we have no idea. We have some idea what it's going to be about, Mm. but I think it's, it's going to be about the intersection of, um, art, politics and critical theory. Yeah. I think, um, the goal is to interview, um, filmmakers, actors and political activists and try to find that intersection. Yeah. Um, sort of the deconstruction of our, um, political, um, structures of power Mm -hmm. through film and television and art. Nice. Hell yeah, dude. Well, yeah, if you ever need help, man, let me know. Yeah, dude, that's awesome. Dude. Yeah. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, we're sort of like, uh, just, just, making it up as we go but um yeah i'll definitely reach out because um we'll probably need like quit like yeah that's our next like thing we're like looking at equipment and we have like no idea <laughs> what to what to get you yeah. know so i'll probably be hitting you up <laughs> yeah dude yeah whatever you need man so i have a i have a um, i have a funny story about uh, opening uh starting a uh, starting a podcast so i was at my cousin's house and him uh him and uh, all of his friends are hanging out and like yo dude like what if we get really high and and just fucking start a podcast and we'll just talk about bullshit because people want to you know they want to listen to the shit we have to say i was like yeah man like go for it this is way before i you know joseph joseph uh started the podcast and then invited me over so, you know, they, they came out with this master plan. And I was like, all right, that's cool. So, like, a couple of days later, I followed up with my cousin. And I'm like, hey, dude, like, how did that podcast go? He's like, yo, dude, we got so high that we got paranoid. And we, like, we couldn't even talk. <laughs> so, like, it didn't happen. But it, it, was, just, it was just funny, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so they, they got too high. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's like literally a definition of a half yeah. day play. Like, I've 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 done that like many many times. Like we're doing this, and then yep, we got two. Yeah. <laughs> the Afro Man song, huh? Because I got high. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's too funny. I was gonna go to class, but then I got then high. I got high. Ooh. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. I was gonna clean my room, but then I got then high. I got high. Ba-da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit, that's too funny. One of my favorite uh, Afro-Man songs is "Come Day." Come back to me. Come back to me. <laughs> I love you and I need you, baby. It's like no more rats, no more roaches. Those dirt football coaches. <laughs> yeah. yeah dude Afro man <laughs> holy fuck <laughs> oh man oh well, god that, man <clears throat> yeah speaking of what kind of music you guys into now like I I'm someone who just like 
man, I'm so set in stone with my old music and I, I'll discover new music through film and TV and like a random recommendation here and there. But yeah, like, I, I don't listen to the radio, so it's hard. But like, what, what do you guys listen yeah, to? Same. Joe? Uh, I'm kind of same way. Like I've always, you know, ever since mp3s came out you know i've always been like you know fuck the radio like it's always the same shit you know every song has the same structure kind of sounds the same um so i there's an artist actually just i was listening to like on the way over here that's actually pretty cool but um i'm kind of the same way you know i have like my my artists and songs that i listen to all the time and shit you know but um uh, yeah, like the you know my my go tos are always like the Foo Fighters and uh, this Danish uh, kind of like um, folk singer Tina Diko. Um, her stuff is really good. Uh, and um, let me see. Awesome. The like during quarantine, I, I watched um, Euphoria. Euphoria. And, um, okay. yeah, I love. And that. that show is so good. And I didn't realize that the producer of all the music was somebody that I was already listening to called Labyrinth. And and I've basically, like, since quarantine, I've just been listening to that whole soundtrack of Euphoria. And, um, dude, it's so fucking good. Like, that guy is a freaking genius. And then from that, I uh, I started doing more research into, like, everything that, that he – everything else that he's been doing. And I didn't even know that he came out with an album called LSD. So it was Labyrinth, Sia, and Diplo. And, like – Oh. And um, yeah, that album is like really, it's like poppy, but also like kind of like um, just like random songs too. Like you wouldn't, like obviously, like those songs wouldn't be on the radio. Um, right. But that album's really good and listen to. Um, and then. Um, what, so does Labyrinth and, and, and Diplo, do they do the, the beat and does Sia do vocals? So what? Labyrinth also, like, uh, he also like uh, does the vocals as well. So like he's come out with like solo okay. albums and like Euphoria he did like all the vocals and one of the songs he did it with uh um what's her um the main actress I can't remember her name um Zendaya Zendaya Zendaya, Zendaya? Oh, Zendaya yeah, yeah, yeah 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 she yeah. she sings on one of the tracks too um but yeah the album's really cool that LSD album it's really cool um and then the art the artist uh. I listened to on the way over here. I think it's called like Deep Valley or something like that. It's kind of like a like Deep yeah. Valley. I think I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. it's like female fronted, I believe. Um, at least the song that I listened to, and I was like, as soon as I heard like the beat, I was like, oh, these these are really good, and like you know, so wow. I'm definitely gonna check out the album on that one. But yeah, I just like weird stuff. Like I like you know when the guitarist use, uses 40 different effects pedals and makes like weird sounds, yeah. you know, like, you know, artists like the kills and stuff or, you know, like, mm. you know, that's a really good, uh, band. And yeah, I just, I'll listen, I'll listen to anything, man. Like I'm not picky. I mean, yeah, whatever, like fucking smooth jazz. If it sounds good, I'll listen to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. For yeah. sure. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm going to check labyrinth out. Yeah. yeah it's really good. Yeah, I've been, I don't listen to the radio at all. I get bummed out when I listen to radio because I'm like, I, then I think, dude, is this is this what people are listening to now? Like, why would you put this on the radio? You know, I get all pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I have my I have my list on Spotify. So I have like hip hop list. I have like my, my you know, uh, punk rock. So I have like, uh, I have Misfits, Dead Kennedys. Then I have another list where I have like Blink-182, The Offspring, Red Hot Chili Peppers, 
Then I have like my oh, yeah. my Doors and mm. you know Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd. Mm. Uh, but this month I've been just uh, I named it Tunnel Vision, and it's all like Odiza is how you say it, Flume, mm. Mm. Zoo, uh, who else? Um, what's it called? Uh, Rufus Doso mm. and Daft Punk. Like I've been vibing on that this month. Just yeah. it, it's it's like happy yeah, music. Stuff, yeah. It gets you amped up, and you're mm-hmm. like, all right, cool. Like there's no time for like feeling bummed out about a shitty situation. Mm-hmm. Like we're gonna get this bread, you know. So yeah. I've been amped on that this yeah. month. No, those are really good artists, man. That's awesome. So speaking of Chili Peps, uh, Mike, do you know the song uh, "Soul to Squeeze"? Uh huh. It's like, uh, so that's the name of my uh, Armenian film. Nice. And uh, the lyrics of that song are, are basically like reflective of the main characters, like uh, Ark. Uh, when I find my peace of mind, I'm going to give you some of my yeah. good time. Like, um, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. And then the rest of the lyrics are very relevant too. And, hoping like I, I already researched like you can take the name of a song and use it for a different piece of artwork at no problem mm-hmm. but like i'm hoping if it ever gets made i could use the song for like the end credits or something that'd be, sick. That'd yeah. be cool that's a good song yeah that'd be sick yeah it, i think it first came out in uh remember the movie Coneheads? it was an snl skit they turned into a movie with dan Aykroyd. yeah I can't. I can't remember the movie. Yeah, it was but like '93, and it was on the Conehead soundtrack, <laughs> and that's how it like random. <laughs> yeah. They're like, "How much yeah. money do you want?" Oh yeah, 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 we're good. Yeah, use yeah. whatever you want, baby. So, this is my CS story. Uh, this is me at the premiere of Camp HBO's Camping. This is me and Jay Duplass. Uh, for some for some reason, we look very like brothers, <laughs> yeah. um, but so Jay was with Sia, and I didn't even know what she looked like but that's her doing a photo bomb in the background <laughs> and then after the picture she came up to me and she's like oh that's one of the very few times you'll see my face in a picture and i was like oh what what do you mean she's like i'm i'm sia and i was like oh okay like trying to play yeah, it cool you're like, you're like, like oh, okay cool freaking out yeah you're inside, like who's sia? Like, <laughs> are you an actress or something or <laughs> do you come, do you come yeah. here often yeah. yeah do you come here often <laughs> like, oh can i get a diet coke please you know <laughs> yeah. yes. I, I should have said like uh like sia yeah. who? i know i know a lot of yeah. Sia's. Okay. Oh, what a beautiful name yeah. my name's alex <laughs> 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 yeah. Oh shit, that's too funny, man. You're like, listen, there's an after party in my place here. Get down my number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was a fun fun night. Uh yeah, it was one of the few premieres I've had the pleasure of attending. Um also took some pics with uh Jennifer Gardner, who I interviewed earlier that day. Who else was there? Who's the Doctor Who guy? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, there's a lot of Doctor. Yeah, he was guys. in like Broadchurch and a bunch. Yeah, Broadchurch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, him, him. I'm blanking on the name. Brett Gelman. He's great. He's like, have you guys seen Stranger Things? He's the conspiracy theorist. Murray. Okay. Yeah, Bijou Phillips. Um, or Busy Phillips. Yeah. I think like. When, when you started like uh, doing like uh, all like the video interviews and stuff, like what what I can't believe like didn't 
go like viral or get more like views was when, was when you were interviewing um, Robert um, Pat, 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 Pattinson? Pattinson, Pattinson. Twilight? Yeah, yeah. yeah, from Twilight, yeah. and you, well, for the uh, Edward, film Lighthouse, Edward Cullen, uh, Edward, uh, Team Edward, <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah. and he and you're right. and you're asking him like you know you know people only spend <laughs> so much time on the island like you know like what do people what did you do for fun and he was basically like you know there's a lot of sex shops here you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> for like a, yeah. like a like a town of like 400 people or whatever you know. <laughs> I know. And I was like, how does that not, how do people not find that? <laughs> dude, when I saw that clip, I was like, what the fuck, dude? But like, <laughs> you, you, I mean, obviously you had no idea like he was going to say that, but like, what was going through your mind? Like, were you thinking like, I need to ask more questions about like, did he go? Like, what did he do? Like, honestly, I was just like, yes, I got something good. Uh, like, and I was just happy. Yeah. Um, and like, but I guess like he, he had said so much bizarre stuff on that press tour about the lighthouse because it was such a weird, um, it was such a bizarre method for him and Willem Dafoe, especially with Robert Edgar or what's his name? David, what's his, the guys, the director's name, Robert Eggers. Um, but yeah, they were so, they got so method with each other and, and like actually acted out like the mud wrestling and like naked wrestling in the mud and there were so many other like clickbait uh, quotes. I think that that just got lost in the mix. Probably. Yeah. yeah. That was so good, dude. I was laughing so hard. I was at work just laughing. my ass off. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to ask Martin Scorsese my own questions, but yeah. Cause that was around the time when you said that insisted. shit about like, marvel movies yeah you just had they wanted me to ask yeah they wanted me to ask that question and and i was like well why don't we ask about the irish and he was like no we got we gotta ask that question it's all clickbait we gotta get yeah Yeah, it's so sad yeah (laughs) but it's okay i'll get another chance yeah yeah yeah. how how do you uh get your your interviews how does that come about like do you hit up yo dude so i was thinking what are you doing next tuesday you know (laughs) like how does it go down (laughs) so Sometimes you reach out, uh, but sometimes uh, the other times, like when you get on a press release, you get on a publicist's uh, press release and they send you um, like movies that are going to come out and they'll send you like the initial um, press packet. And if you're interested, yeah, they'll always say like for interview inquiries or press inquiries, please contact such and such. And, so that's how you set up interviews and you'll pitch the publication and, um, you know, uh, 75% of the time they accept it depending on availability. It's all dependent on like right time, right place. Um, sometimes you're too late to, to pitch cause they've already got a bunch of publications set up for the junket. Um, sometimes you reach out randomly. I'm on IMDb pro and I look up, um, publicist and then you reach out and pitch a very specific story uh for a future feature and they appreciate that and they'll accept it um doesn't have to be part of a press junket um so yeah it's a little bit of both um but it's 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 just you know like any industry creating uh good relationships with the publicist and, and maintaining those relationships which um i have and then always writing solid pieces and sending it back to them and 
keeping them satisfied. Yeah. Do you have to like get like approval before you publish or do you do that as like a common courtesy? Approval from like the publisher? No, no. They're just like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's just, you know, uh, once you're approved for an interview, it's just assumed, you know, that you're going to publish it. And, uh, yeah, there's sometimes it's a courtesy to send the interview. Um, or, um, uh, when it's up, when it's already yeah. up. Um, but, uh, I've been asked to send like the questions beforehand oh, before, screening because and stuff. sometimes yeah, yeah. people are particular. Yeah. Um, they don't want to be asked certain yeah, questions. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, it keeps you on your feet, especially as a freelancer. I'm like working, uh, from like 6am to like 10pm, like always either writing or sending emails or, um, Pretty wild. Your dog must look at you and be like, dude, what is this guy doing? It's like, bro, let's go outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. And then, yeah, I think that's part of the reason why I like running so much. Because like working from home, you want to get outside yeah. and yeah. then you like, you're, you're in for so much of the day. And then it's like, you get all that outside um, satisfaction at, at once when you run. Yeah, I, um, I yeah. definitely, I definitely feel that the way I like to say it is like, uh, it happens to me, right? Like, you know, when you have a dog in the backyard for so long, and like you hardly walk the dog, the second he sees the door open, like boom, he's out. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's me right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a great way to put it. It's uh, yeah gone a little stir crazy too you know it's just i think everyone has i mean the vaccines are are already coming that's crazy i I didn't anticipate that did you guys like i thought it would be longer but i guess they got emergency approval which is great are you gonna be uh you'll be lining up to get it i don't like i don't know i don't uh i don't really know what the process is yet it's so early what about you guys I mean, I'm definitely want to get get the vaccine, yeah. but you know, there's there's going to be hordes of of, of people yeah. trying to get it, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think I think for sure, like my mentality is to like wait off a bit just to see what happens. You know, yeah. I mean, we're not going to get it till like right. March anyway, so it's like, you know, exactly. Yeah, and we're already being safe yeah. and and you know, like, yeah, following CDC guidelines. So, yeah, I feel like um. I'm I'm an extreme extremist in, in in both sides. So one is like, oh man, this is really good for you. It's gonna be great. And the other says, no, dude, they're gonna turn us into zombies. You know, like, <laughs> like I can't find the middle ground with, with either side. You know, so I'm like, shit, I don't know what I want. Yeah, I was like, bro, my leg's gonna fall off. I can't take this. Just give me the COVID. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I I had like that that like crazy thought that. Before I ran my marathon in January, like uh, 10 days before, I was so sick and I thought it was the flu. Um, but then it like was gone for a little bit. Then it came back like, like during the marathon a little bit. And like, I'm wondering, like, did I have COVID? I don't think so. But like, yeah, you start thinking back. I, I, like, I got it. Yeah, but I like I got a test for it like last month, and I tested negative. Um, but I don't really, um, 
it's hard to know because that was before anyone knew that the pandemic happened except for certain government yeah. officials. Um, but I've heard stories about like some people thinking that they had it, you know, as far as like fall of last yep. year. Yeah. yeah. Cause I remember like in my like inner circle, immediate family, like November of last year, like we all got really sick yeah. to like, like, yeah. sicker than i've ever been with like any kind of like flu or anything you know so i was just like fuck did we yeah. get it back in november you know you start thinking like damn you know yeah. like i was really really sick for like a week you know so i'm just like oh man i don't know like the symptoms are kind of there but it also wasn't so i mean i don't know but definitely like i feel like it started months before the actual pandemic happened yeah. you know you know, right. it was it was around for yeah. a long time. It just wasn't people weren't I don't know we didn't aware know. of it. People weren't publicizing it. Yeah, you know, people were hiding it. Who knows? Who really knows? You know, but um, right, yeah. There's like it's no way it started in like February, March. Yeah, like there's no way. Oh, yeah, March totally. 13. <laughs> yeah, it started March 13. <laughs> it did not yeah, because <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember my mom right. had COVID-like symptoms November of last year. And she was sick as a dog for like a whole month straight. And she's like, hey, I can't taste anything. I can't smell anything. Like all the symptoms, you know. And I remember uh, normally when, when when we catch a cold or have the flu, you know, you, you get a shot of uh, uh, vitamin B12. And, uh, you know, I know that stuff, you know, you know, it, it takes about two days. But then you're like, dude, fuck yeah. I'm, I'm, let's go. Let's go play basketball, <laughs> you know. But, yeah, my mom right. got a shot of vitamin B12 and nothing. She went to the doctor. They said, yeah, like it doesn't show like you have the flu. But she, you know, she had all the symptoms. It's just, you know, it's just nothing checked, nothing checked out. That sucks. Man. But um, damn, yeah, she. So then, you know, obviously she's she's good now. But uh, this happened la last November. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, that was the end of December, early January when I got sick. So I mean, the timing sounds like almost like it lines up, and I. I went to uh, urgent care first and they were like, you have influenza B, uh, which is like, you know, the rarer strand. And I was like, it feels a lot worse. feels like something else. I, I never felt this sick. Like, um, and then it kept going and going. And then I had to go to the ER and they gave me uh, promethazine. And uh, I don't think I've ever had promethazine. So that took me to cloud nine. <laughs> <laughs> It was like, you know, take uh, this amount of dosage. And I like took it and I was so sick and delirious already. And then uh, I was just like, wow. Uh, I, I think you should have. Uh, so do you I still could, have some? Or... Day, day. <laughs> yeah, that's a real question. <laughs> no, I think. Send you my address. <laughs> that stuff. Yeah, that stuff went. <laughs> I think you should have started uh, putting a pen to paper, man, and write something, write a story, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Chronicles of Alex. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> While he's on from that. <laughs> hell yeah my boy well fuck man we've been going for a while man i mean you know we don't want to take any yeah, more of your yeah. time is there uh you know is there anything else you kind of want to let the people know or oh, yeah any way you want to close out anyway uh, words of wisdom or anybody you want to be like i made it bitch what's up yeah either like, like <laughs> yeah any ex-girlfriends might be like i hate you Anywhere from a yeah. anywhere from a hi to you or a fuck you, you know? yeah. they're welcome. 
<laughs> no, honestly, uh, nothing but love for everyone. Uh, no ill will towards anyone. Just want to spread good vibes and uh, positive energy, especially during this difficult time. Because, mm-hmm. like, uh, shit, man, a lot of people are uh, going through um depression a lot of people are experiencing depression sometimes some people for the first Mm -hmm. time during this pandemic and are really finding out how severe it actually can be so heart goes out to everyone struggling um i want to you know uh i guess dedicate this to the 2500 um armenians who died um, and counting as a result of the Artsakh genocide committed by the Azeris and the Turks. Um, I want to dedicate this to my grandmother, um, Isabel, who recently passed away from COVID. Um, she was uh, one of my last uh, Armenian family members. Um, and yeah, I would... Uh, urge people to um, support Armenians more. That's uh, the only thing I would uh, request of, of anyone, if anything. And uh, yeah, if you won't follow my socials, follow me socials. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on uh, the Twitter, the Instagram and the MySpace <laughs> and the Facebooks. El Face for our yeah. for the Hispanic listeners. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm on on the uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my Twitter is Alex Arabian. My Instagram is Life of Lupo. Uh, that's my dog. Uh, we share an Instagram account. What was your mostly his? What was your only fans again? I didn't catch that. <laughs> my only fans is uh is lupo gets naughty it's just you and lupo go to taco bell <laughs> and, and in and out <laughs> yes yes two meals at once <laughs> two meals one dog <laughs> i was hoping that mike would go there but... <laughs> Sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's awesome. Well, hell yeah, man. No, we, we appreciate you uh, we, coming on, thank, dude. Yeah. You know, thanks again. Thank you guys, uh, obviously, so much for uh, having me on yeah, this, uh, this, uh, this podcast. This is awesome. And uh, it's, it's great uh, getting to know you, Mike, and, and catching up with you, Joe. Yeah. And uh, uh, definitely want to stay in touch. Um, you know, I'd also love to have you, um, involved, uh, in my script, um, as well. So, uh, be reaching out to you with that as well. So yeah, thank you guys again. And, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a fast two and a half hours. <laughs> damn. And I was like, damn, we should let this guy go. <laughs> He's been starving for two I hours. <laughs> yeah, Alex, you're, you're a trooper, dude. Thank you so much, man. Pleasure meeting you. Uh, nothing yeah, but good vibes likewise. to you. And uh, yeah, honestly, wish you nothing but the best. Like, yeah, honestly, like, 
I want you to kick ass and you. you know don't 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 get too down on yourself and uh yeah hopefully you know there's hopefully there's some change you know this is you know people could start being human beings again and seriously uh thanks for uh you know bringing awareness and uh yeah dude i, I hope to uh meet you after pandemic sometime and you know kick it yeah, with dude, you and joseph here we can hang out go to his pizza shop get some pizza likewise oh dude i'd love to yeah. hell yeah yeah man that sounds awesome uh and um yeah thank you for those words um i appreciate that like and um yeah i look forward to to talking again soon guys and uh when my if my brother and i ever get our podcast going we'll We'll get you guys on there. Probably our first guest. <laughs> we're down. Yeah. Hey, man, we're down, bro. <laughs> that sounds fun. Hell yeah. Okay. Dope. Cool. Hell yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks again, right, man. And, uh, take care, dude. Yeah, you too. All right. Bye. See you guys later. Bye.